0: The yeah. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cockpistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly
1: listen to NPR, or a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both edit. And Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational
0: speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS 706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy.
2: Episode 265.
0: There's already like seven million. By the cool kids. It,
3: it, it's a trap.
0: Good, toss it, good it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, teen, embrace it, let's embrace the tough wear parties, subculture, spill over like a vulture carry over. Counterculture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. Sure the Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's
3: Pop Culture Leftovers.
2: Five, four, three,
3: two, one.
1: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're The leftovers? Leftovers. All right, Jake, it's episode 265 and that means that we are one episode closer to the release of cold pursuit starring Liam Neeson coming to theaters February 8th
3: oh man I didn't know we were counting down to that
1: I am (laughs) you bet your ass I'm counting down to it man oh my god cold pursuit he's a snowplow driver and he's out for revenge against the drug dealers that killed his son Jake
3: yeah, it sounds it sounds fantastic. Hope is it R-rated? It is R-rated, sir. Oh, that's nice. I've seen the trailer, but the trailer was not a red band trailer. We
1: are not alone this week, Jake. No. We have Mr. Joe Stark from Startcast and my co-host on Number One Comic Books with us. Joe, looking forward to Cold Pursuit.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that sounds right up Liam Neeson's alley, right? Oh my gosh, this is made for Liam Neeson. <laughs> That premise just sounds so silly. I hope they lean into it a little bit.
1: Oh, I hope they do. Oh, my gosh. It looks incredible. I've seen like the trailer in the theaters like three, four times now, and I'm just each and every time. Uh, It's called Cold Pursuit, but I'm warming up to it, baby. Yeah, I just said that. Fuck you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to have been there for like the elevator pitch meeting for that movie, right? Oh, man. Instant green light.
1: I guarantee it was a snowplow driver in an elevator with Liam Neeson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about his He's talking about his day Liam Neeson's taking notes in his head Mental notes Next thing you know six months later this guy's seeing this trailer Fuck you Liam Neeson You stole my idea That was all me
3: Oh man yeah that should be good what was the, I kind of liked the other silly movie that, What was the the airplane texting movie uh, I forget what that silly thing was called I don't know it's more of the same. It, it rings you know? a bell.
1: It rings a bell. And no, you know, another movie I'm looking forward to is Have you guys seen the trailer for The Aftermath? You seen this? No. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. It is hot. It's hot. It's, uh, Kira Knightley and Alexander Skarsgård and Jason Clark. And it's like set in World War II, it's like right after the end of the war. And, uh,. They got like some kind of like weird thing where they, I think like they're being housed in this house and they didn't realize the military set them up like Kira Knightley and her husband Jason Clark set them up to live in this house, and they didn't realize the house is already occupied. A guy's living there, but so they have to share the house with this guy, and they're sharing the house with Alexander Skarsgård. And then Jason Clark gets called away to do some like uh, military stuff. She's in the house alone with Alexander Skarsgård, and things get hot between them.
3: I need to see this trailer so they get they don't get creepy. It's not a thriller. It's it's I don't know romantic. It
1: could go thriller. It could go thriller. Not Michael Jackson thriller. Nobody doing the zombie dance. But it could go. <laughs> <laughs> no Vincent Price. Yeah, no Vincent Price. You know, um, but yeah, it, 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 it's crazy because like like uh, he. They're walking, like, Kieran Knightley's walking past him on the stairs. She's going up, he's going down, and he turns around and looks at her. And then he's outside chopping wood. She's looking out the window, and he catches her looking at him. And then, like, you know, just, like, brief touches. They touch each other's hands real bleep. Oh, man, it's going to get hot. And then, of course, Jason Clark's going to have to come home, her dumpy-looking
2: husband. (laughs) <laughs> and meanwhile, she's been left alone with this Norse god, yes, yes <laughs> guys, this is not gonna be a this is
1: this is a regular episode, but you know what it's the end of the year Jake Jake, we didn't even do this last year. we didn't even have an episode last week, oh, we year.
3: didn't, I didn't even remember that well, I
1: had my injury and everything, so it was kind of like off the table, I believe,
3: oh yeah, and I think the way the holidays fell, they were more weekendish too, which made it more difficult, yeah,
1: so. All right, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, yeah, this movie looks hot. Check out the trailer for the aftermath. It looks really hot. I just, whew, man.
3: I just, I just bookmarked the trailer.
1: Gosh, yeah, bookmark it. Do whatever you got to do with it. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's hot. But anyway, yeah, uh, we're back with a regular episode. Last week we did uh, all the movie reviews, and I know that drives some people crazy. Some people want to listen to a regular episode. Jake, they, they're like, I'm not going to go see Bumblebee. I'm not going to go see Aquaman. Cause I'm, I'm I listen to podcasts and like when podcasts do that I'm like oh fuck I can't listen this week and so people are yeah, yeah.
3: but you don't have to be vocal about it just listen to some other podcasts
1: yeah exactly I, I nobody was vocal about it I'm just saying I just <laughs> I just know how people are you know and I get it I get it next week's not a regular episode though Jake and that's going to piss people off again next week is the sixth annual Tupperware Awards where we're handing out tuppies.
3: Yeah, that's exciting. The Tupperware episode is one of my favorite episodes every year.
1: It's fun. It's fun. We just talk about what we loved all year. So I really enjoy that. But now we're going to jump into our iTunes reviews.
3: It's
0: one star five.
1: iTunes reviews. Uh, Let's see. here. This first one, I think this comes from Dan Ramirez of the Heroes of Noise podcast. Uh, It's uh, by the old one, too. I think that's Dan. It's uh, titled The Best, and it goes on to say, This is my go-to podcast for the latest news in film, television, and comics. Brian and Jake are a fantastic duo that really know their stuff. They also have great chemistry and banter. You can really tell that Brian loves what he does, and it complements the show nicely. He takes extensive notes and brings great insight, which he infuses into the conversation with PCL's various guests each week. I infuse. Infuse. That's a word they use on those cooking shows. They infuse it with flavors, right? <laughs>
3: yes, yes. I like a garlic infusion.
1: Garlic infusion yes that's i don't know where i'm going with this jake i just (laughs) just, i really am the I i I have i'm kind of like hitting a brick wall with this one
3: yeah i don't know how to make this funny either i was i was brainstorming for you yeah yeah
1: thanks jake um (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did it yeah um yeah it goes on to say he's also funny as fuck at four plus hours long pcl is great for commutes which is how I actually discovered them. I was looking for something to pass the time and ended up finding my favorite podcast. If you're interested in all things pop culture, do yourself a favor and subscribe now.
3: so that I believe that's Dan.: oh, That's a great review, even I can't needle apart that review.
1: yeah it was in what was it it was
3: infused with something <laughs> <laughs> The garlic uh, maybe a lemon garlic
1: a lemon garlic yeah. Yeah, like a like a salmon, baked salmon infused with lemon.
3: Don't they use like a big like cooking syringe to do that kind of thing? Too?
1: I think so. Have you seen the commercial where they take they sh- they take like the spices and they put them in like that fucking uh, I don't know that, that it's like a baster and then they pump it into the meat. That's and then they show like the you can kind of see like uh, from the side view you can actually see like the shit going. It looks gross.
0: <laughs>
1: i've like no, not seen it that it looks like a ham loaf <laughs> you're both talking at the same time i didn't catch any of
3: that <laughs> i've not seen that was all i was saying
1: let's see here this next one comes from uh, gallon 01. it's titled i love this podcast it's five star and it just goes on to say num 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 apparently he's been
3: infused with something
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, he's really enjoying the lemon garlic
1: Mm, It's good, it's tasty Ah, This next one uh, Comes from It's Big John It's a five star And it's titled with actually four stars So it makes no sense (laughs) I understand what's going on here, Big John Anyway, great podcast I work overnights for Walmart And I must say, Monday nights are the only nights That go by pretty fast Because of the two of you I've enjoyed every show I want to thank you for all your hard work You guys do to keep us informed on the culture. Keep up the good work, guys. That comes from it's Big John.
3: All right, thanks, Big John. You just got past the hardest part of the year for your job, so good on you, I hear you.
1: Remember Big John Stud, the wrestler?
3: Oh, yeah. Love Big John Stud, the first winner of the first ever Royal Rumble. Listen to you, Mr. Facts Mr. Guy over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First thing I think of when I hear his name is that dumb fact. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. Is that his claim to fame? Big John Studd? Was it, he was tag yeah, team. Basically. Was he tag team partners with uh, King Kong Bundy for a little while? For like. Uh, right?
3: No, yeah. I think so. Everyone was tag team partners with everybody for a little while at some point.
1: Yeah. Next one comes from Tone Hall86. It's titled Thanks. It's a five star. Thank you for being. Loyal diehard Transformers fans. After listening to your Bumblebee review, it's exciting to hear people talk about Gen One characters. My favorite cartoon of the past. That comes from Tone Hall '86. Must be a Star Wars fan that tuned in and listened and enjoyed that episode. So thank you.
3: Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's nice.
1: Yeah. I don't know what have we got. What have we got here? <laughs> yeah, we got a pod bean here, but it's it's just a follow up. Two weeks ago we t- uh JC Blignot Left us a fucking pod bean. Hold on, let me play this fucking thing.
2: Oh God. Oh, oh. oh yeah, right there. Oh right there. Mm. 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 Oh God, I'm gonna come.
1: Alright. Jesus. <laughs> She must have watched the trailer. She must have watched the trailer for the aftermath.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I work in an office full of women, so it's like refreshing to hear that and not be diving for my phone to turn the volume down. Oh, I bet. Yeah. (laughs) You should expect that coming. Are you listening to
1: it out loud? Like, what are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm just using my phone speaker, and I got it sitting on my desk. I I got an office, so I'm kind of you know off the rest of everybody else. But I mean, they can. They say they can hear bits and pieces of the mm-hmm. podcasts I listen to because it's mostly what I do all day. I just have a podcast playing all day on my desk.
1: She was playing with her bits and pieces, wasn't she? Yeah?
2: <laughs> oh, for sure, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. It's, uh, JC Blignot 2011. How's it, Brian and Jake? The way you pronounce my surname makes you sound like nailed it's judge saying buttercream. My home language is Africans, just like Charlie's Throne. I have. A nice Afrikaans word of the day for you. Your podcast is befuck, meaning fucking good. Until next week. No, don't 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 reply next week. Just leave it alone. Just like <laughs> like just leave it alone. Stop.
3: <laughs> you know, want like a word of the week no, left it's, like pod being it's,
1: there. Yeah, it's not like a little follow up segment where it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, you know, little special guest stars every week, same person. We're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not playing that shit. All right. So thank you for that. Uh, next one. Uh, no, I don't have any more. That's it. Um, oh, I did have a, a, a Michael Cannon mashup that I wanted to talk about this week.
3: All right, have what you got?
1: All right, here we go. It is titled Crohemian Rhapsody. So it's going to be <laughs> Freddie Mercury dressed as the crow.
3: I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so Michael, have fun. Have at it if you got the time. Uh, I want to thank, uh, I got some gifts this week. I, 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 hopefully, I can remember to open them at the end of the podcast. Uh, I did get a uh, Christmas card in the mail from Philip Guillet, so thank you, Philip. And then I got three packages here. Hopefully, I'll remember. I've been forgetting every week to open them, so I apologize for that. But we are going to be jumping right now into our iTunes. Not iTunes. Jesus Christ, I'm all over the place.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not do those again. Those weren't our best iTunes reviews. No.
1: Uh, we're going to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop.
0: It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop,
1: Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system.
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
1: All right, what are we doing? Uh, see here. Ah... Man, it's been a long week. I, I've been sick. I'm starting to finally feel better, so that's good. But I'm not drinking, because I know if I drink, it'll fuck me up, and I'll be sick all over again. I wish I was yeah. drinking. I wish I was drinking.
3: Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet you do. Oh, man. Hopefully you get better next week, though. You can pound him next week.
1: Fucking a. I Hey, I tried to watch a movie on Amazon Prime. I was telling you about this earlier in the week, Joe. The Quacky Slasher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: That sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds amazing. It's a short film, 35 minutes. I got through maybe 10. Uh, The tagline for this one is Don't Fuck With The Duck. It's about a uh, serial killer. (laughs) I think it's about a serial killer. There was a duck mask, and I couldn't get through it. It was absolutely terrible. So if you want to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Quacky Slasher. Check it out. Don't Fuck With The Duck. Anyway, let's move into, we watched some trailers this week. I want to talk about two of them right off at the top. Uh, The Hellboy trailer and then the Men in Black International trailer. Uh, We'll talk about um, the Men in Black International trailer first. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are lead agents H&M, respectively, in this UK set take on the sci-fi comedy film. Their latest case will call upon them to solve a murder mystery uh, with global implications. Another Liam Neeson movie here. Uh, This one is not going to include Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Uh, I don't even think they did cameos, but we, you know, who knows? They might have kept a tight lid on that. Who knows? Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, Liam Neeson, Kumal Nanjiani, um, Rebecca Ferguson, and Emma Thompson are also going to star in this one. Uh, F. Gary Gray is going to direct. And what did you guys think?
3: Jake? I thought this looked pretty fun. Um, I'm going to give this like a high taste it for a trailer. Uh, This looked way more fun and, you know, not as dumb as I thought it potentially could be. Um, I didn't realize it was going to take place in, like, the actual Men in Black cinematic universe, but it does kind of seem that way, right, with seeing some of the aliens and people we're accustomed to from the previous movies. So, yeah, I thought this looked look fun. I'll definitely be checking this out. Decent have, trailer. Yeah,
1: I have no problem with this being uh, set in the same kind of, like, universe, same continuity and all that, because I kind of thought that, And I said this. We said this that this movie was kind of ripe. That this you know whole franchise was ripe to be you know set in the same universe because I I think Men in Black has like a it's got a ton of stories to tell. You know, just like I don't know. I think they did a lot of great universe building. You know, Star Wars has limitless stories, and I think that when you do universe building like with Men in Black, I think it you can kind of set up. You know a bunch of vast different stories in this world over and over and over again. I don't think you have to just, like, reboot or just stop with the franchise completely. I think, you know, like a movie like Goonies, I don't want to see them, like, reboot that (laughs) because it's the same story. But, like, with something like Men in Black, it's like you've got different agents all over the world doing these with with different aliens. I, I, I think that it's kind of a universe that they built to where they can have a bunch of different stories and continue to do this stuff, so... I oh yeah. yeah,
3: I I agree with that. You could easily see the premise being like a TV series, right? It it works just in that monster of the week type of way. So why right. why reboot it?
1: Exactly. Yeah, Joe, what'd you think?
2: Yeah, this one was a high taste it for me too. Um, I've always loved the the Men in Black stuff, and I hope it is a continuation because, like you were saying, there's a lot more than just Agent J and K. It's it's a whole agency. They've got all these different people, and they're all encountering different aliens and there's really no limit to what they could do with the stories they could tell on this and and yeah uh, like what jake said a tv series would work really great with this but like i'm i'm just i'm fine just getting more movies as well yeah. and you know uh, the, the actors have pretty good comedic timing and stuff as well so like i really think that this could work
1: yeah well, i mean they worked great together in thor ragnarok yeah so you know here they are again i think it's a it's a good duo i I'm going to give it a high taste it too, but I did have a problem with the American trailer. I, the Brazilian trailer is so much better because it doesn't give away as much. Um, mm. I've, I've gone ahead and I've included both trailers in our show notes. If you want to check out the Brazilian trailer, you can. The reason I like the Brazilian trailer so much better is because in the American trailer, at the beginning, it shows her and it talks about uh, the new agent played by uh, uh, Tessa Thompson, how she finds the men in blacks like uh, secret uh, facility there. And in the Brazilian one, it doesn't do that. So you just see her as like a new agent. And I think that's a better way to go into the movie. It's just to like see. And then all of a sudden at the beginning of the movie, she's not part of the agency. And you're like, wait in the trailer, I saw her as like, like a new agent. Like, how does this happen? And, and then you're surprised. So I think like the people that just watched the Brazilian trailer, I honestly feel like they're going to have a better experience if they don't watch the American trailer, because I felt like that that was a big giveaway. I'm not saying it's going to ruin the movie for me, but I think like, they pulled back a little bit and I really appreciated that a lot more.
3: Yeah, that's a little bit silly to show so much origin story when at the end of the day we're going to see posters with her with the costume on, right? So why do they need to spoil that in the trailer?
1: Yeah, I didn't get it. They showed everything for her, like, shooting uh, suiting up for the first time and, like, everything. I was just like, come on, just save that for the fucking movie. But it doesn't affect my rating of the trailer. It doesn't affect my rating for the movie when it comes out. It's just one of those things where I just felt like after I watched that Brazilian trailer that they had done it so much better, and I actually thought that the first time I watched the American trailer, like, why are they showing this? We, they could have kept it. And then I watched the Brazilian trailer. I'm like, they didn't show us that. Brilliant. That's the that's the one we should have got. Um, so I, I'll give it a high taste it as well. Looking forward to it. Looks like a lot of fun, and um, you know, uh, Liam Neeson's in it, so that'll be cool.
3: Yeah, does he is he going to have a freaking snowblower? Uh, Snow plow. <laughs> well it'd be a little bit toned down since this isn't the big you know snowplow movie
1: oh okay so a snowblower in this movie i see what you did there you know, that was that was good jake <laughs> that was good uh yeah that movie opens june 14th looking forward to it hellboy that trailer came out uh neil marshall's gonna direct this one from a script by andrew cosby the uh, story is about uh, Hellboy, played now by David Harbour, not Ron Perlman. He's caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human and battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. Uh, the film also stars Ian McShane as Hellboy's adopted father, Professor Trevor Rettenholm. Uh Mia Jovovich is villain Nemue, and uh, she's going to be the Blood Queen, I'm guessing. Um, Sasha Lane, or is Blood Queen a completely different character?
3: than a character from the original movie no um
1: she's listed here as namu the main this movie was originally called hellboy and the blood queen i believe um they have since pulled back on the title and it's just called hellboy um but i think we are still encountering the blood queen i was just asking if mia jovovich is the blood queen i don't think we know Uh
3: I bet she is right. You're going to have a big name as that character, and having her as a villain seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah
1: what what did you uh, what did you think about the Hellboy trailer, Joe?
2: I like the trailer a lot. Um, I give this one a high tasted as well. I'm so used to seeing Ron Perlman's version of Hellboy that it's it's going to take a little bit of getting used to just seeing David Harbour's face in the makeup but I liked the way that the makeup and everything in it looked um, I thought the music in the trailer was great I, I liked the little bit of humor in it with the, the lady asking for ID because it's like really you know, who else looks like this and um, yeah yeah, I, I liked this trailer um, it, it does have a lot to live up to because the two Hellbow movies that were out are, are really really good hmm. so it, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, how they do this one Well, that's
1: going to be R. We know that's what's going to kind of set it apart from, you know, the original Guillermo del Toro ones. Jake, what did you think?
3: Uh, I kind of hated this. I'm going to go ahead and toss it. I mean, maybe this movie will be good at the end of the day, and and we're just not seeing a lot because of the R. But I I just had a really hard time stomaching it. Like, if you're going to be this similar to the del Toro stuff, then why do it at all? Like, right? You know, there was just so much to do about the Hellboy three thing. And I was one of the people that was like really fine with them just moving forward and doing a new thing. But it's kind of from this trailer, it's not really what's going on. It doesn't feel like a new thing. It just feels like more of the same, but not as good. So I thought this was a very underwhelming trailer and pretty much hated it.
1: Hmm. I hated it the first time I watched it. Uh, I've since watched it five, six, seven more times and it's warmed. I've warmed up to it. Um, I think that I really want to see them come out and they should have come out with a red band trailer. There was some red band stuff in this one though. I mean, we did see a little bit of gore. There was a shot where we saw him with his gun and he shoots through the head of some kind of like villain creature. And we see like the back of his head splat back and everything. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, they're going to get gory with it. They're going to get gory with it. Um, I'm going to give it a tasted overall. I hated the musical selection. I hate that fucking song. I hate <laughs> that was it. Moni Moni. Yeah, I wasn't
3: I, a fan either.
1: I hate that song. That song kind of ruined it for me. Uh, but the more I watched this trailer, the more I did like it. I don't love it, but I do like it. And I think you know, and I love Ian McShane, so I'm hoping that he's going to be great in that role. Um, it uh, and then I think that final shot. That final shot was badass. When he's you know coming up and he's got like the flames around the head and the cr- like the flame like the crown flame and everything. That was just I was like okay, just pick a different fucking song, and I think <laughs> I'd be a little bit more excited. But um, overall, I-, I liked it a lot more as I continued to watch it than I did the first time. Th- th- the first time I watched it, the song just took me off guard. I hate that song. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you're just not like a Billy Idol fan, or I hate that song.
1: I love Billy Idol, okay? You know, I'm totally down with a white wedding, and, you know, I've had a rebel yell every once in a while. You've heard me on this fucking podcast. <laughs> you know, I've busted out a rebel yell a few times, but uh, not that song. I hate that song, and so that didn't work <laughs> for me. They should have had rebel yell. Anyway, uh, David Harbour was talking about, a lot of people were upset about, like, you know, oh, we're promised gore. We didn't get a lot of gore in the trailer. And he told Empire, there's really a sense that you're actually killing things. Even if they are giants or monsters, you're chopping their heads off. You're bathing in their blood. And you're feeling the complex feelings of actually cutting the heart out of another thing. We're taking the time to deal with that fact that Hellboy is a killer. He's a weapon. And then he's also, David Harbert said in the past, this movie is gory. It's like a horror movie. There's a lot of blood in it. It's brutal. So, yeah,
3: I'm... Hmm. Red Band trailer really would have helped. I agree with you, Brian.
1: Yeah, I want that Red Band trailer. Give me that Red Band trailer. And I'm not worried about this one not getting a Red Band trailer, um as much as I was worried about Venom getting a re- You know, we were promised, we thought we were promised an R rated Venom. Never got a Red Band trailer and I was like, I don't think we're going to get it now. I think we should get a Red Band trailer with this one. And I would yeah, lo- definitely. Yeah.
3: For me this movie like has the potential to still be a tupperware, but it's like they didn't show me the one thing that sets this one apart from the other ones. So I was just like, ah, yeah, know?
1: yeah. We needed more. We needed, yeah. If you're going to come out with this trailer, give us that red band day one, give us, do the green band. That's fine. But give me the red band trailer too. I want to see the gore. You know, I want to see, I want to, I want, I want to know it's going to make this one different than the last one. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely, I, I warmed up to it. I'm at to taste it. Um, We'll see. I hope David Harbour kills this because I think he's a great guy. I love what he does on social media. I think he's fantastic. And I hope this Mm -hmm. movie's great because I I want more Hellboy stuff. I do. I really do because I, I, you know, I loved all the animated movies. I love the the, the first two movies are great. The second one, I love the Hellboy 2. I, I thought that one was even better than the first.
3: I'm in that same camp. (sighs) <sighs>
1: anyway yeah so speaking of like you know soft reboots and reboots i asked you guys a question earlier this week and i just want to i want to see what your answers are and uh there's no right or wrong answer how would you how would you reboot the crow how would you do it what would you do to reboot the crow joe what would you do
2: the crow was the first graphic novel that i ever read And I read the shit out of that trade and I liked the first movie. I thought it was, you know, it it was fairly close. It had some of the same character names. They did create some characters for that first movie that weren't in the comic. So I've always wanted to see something that would just be totally representative of what that first comic was. And, and so that's more the direction that I'm leaning. Like, I really liked what they did with Sin City and how faithful it was to the source material. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see that done with The Crow.
1: I was just, if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say Sin City. So you want the Sin City approach. Absolutely. Okay. Jake, what would you do? How would you reboot The Crow, man? This is a tough one. Corin Hardy was supposed to do it with Jason Momoa. That totally got axed. How are you going to do this? How, because you know that this fucking company, this studio, is not going to give up on The Crow.
3: Yeah, I was scratching my head on this one. For the longest time, I was thinking, like, maybe try something completely different and do, like, you know, put, like, a, maybe a comedian in this role instead of someone that you would consider, like, you know, a Billy Badass, like we keep trying to put in here, you know, a Momoa or a Rock or whatever. But I don't know, man. I'm really kind of falling in love with what you guys are saying, like what Joe's saying. they like, just going completely artsy with it and doing it, like, comic book style and, you know, real film noir and... Because otherwise it kind of falls into that video on demand action movie these days, I think, with its plot. If you just do it, you know, by the numbers. I think you really got to go for it and try to do something different artistically, cinematically with this movie. Or what's the point of even doing it?
1: So you're having like James O'Barr on the set helping him.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, trying to make that living comic book. I know that's failed miserably before another movie. movies. like, what's that really good? Just awful Frank Miller directed the spirit. movie. Oh, there you go. There you go. Where they're, they're kind of doing that kind of thing there. But I think you could do a lot of different stuff here, you know, which is there's so much like dark and rain that you could do really interesting stuff with mm-hmm. 2D, 3D transitions and things that man, they just really got to go for it artistically. I think it I think it's just going to be boring if it's a Jason Momoa vehicle where he's just running the routine and doing the things that, you know, he's going to do. Go kill these five guys that wronged him.
2: Yeah, well, it shouldn't be like that. And it it blows my mind that they can't take these fairly simple comic books and turn it into a movie that is representative of the source material. Because when you make a fucking movie, you storyboard it out. You've already got the storyboards. It's in a fucking graphic novel form. Yeah. Why can't you do it? It isn't like there's anything totally crazy on the pages of a book like The Crow. Reading a book. It's all pretty Reading yeah. A, reading a well, but reading a book and
1: doing a movie are two two completely different things. They really are. Like if I, you know, they they, they it, you, it's it's hard. It's 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 a tough balance, man. Because like you gotta, there's certain emotional things that you got to get across in a movie. You know, I don't know. <laughs>
3: And pacing is so different yeah. in the movie, right? You like pacing's a lot more forgiving in a book and in you know, and in a comic book even than it is in a movie. You really have to have that first act, second act, third act kind of feel to it or it feels wonky. What about going all animated with this thing too? Like, I think adults are starving for beautiful animated adult feature films, right? I think Into the Spider Verse proves that. It's not an adult movie, but how many adults went to that movie uh, without kids and yeah. just loved it?
1: Yeah, I think we need to. I mean, if you're going to go animate, I think they need to do kind of like what they're doing with like the Netflix Castlevania.
3: Yeah, exactly. But just really bold, interesting animation, you know? Cinematic animation. I. With material like the crow, that could be really amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're doing an anime style with the Castlevania stuff, so it looks incredible.
3: Yeah, with the 3D rendering animation and everything.
1: Uh, it's not the 3D rendering animation.
3: Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, I, I could see Conan the Barbarian would be an amazing, like, R rated adult animation movie. Like, there's so much material ripe for that. I feel like it could make a shit ton of money. I feel like audiences are kind of starved for that.
1: My suggestion, and I've said this before, but I got two. I got two different ones for the crow. First one would be uh, a female crow. Let's get like I, I've said Tatiana Maslany so many times, and then get like Lee Unnel, the director from Upgrade, to do the movie with Tatiana Maslany. Have a female lead in there. I think that that would be pretty fucking incredible. Upgrade was great. I love that movie. Get Lee Unnel, Tatiana Maslany, do a reboot of the crow. I'm down. The other one would be get Gareth Evans from the raid and get those guys in there to do an Indonesian version of the crow.
3: Just all out action mayhem. That'd be cool. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The action would be so good. Because, I mean, you know, Brandon Lee, you know, was raised on martial arts, but he didn't use martial arts in the crow. But if you got the guys from the raid in there, man, you could make it pretty fucking bloody go uh, go at r and make it pretty fucking bloody and still have all like the the martial arts moves and stuff like that for the crow i think it'd be pretty in, pretty incredible i i would like to see that movie that would be fun
3: yeah i i, I like that even more than uh, and i love tatiana masiani but that still feels like paint by the numbers if you just do it by the book and remake the crow yeah like, i love the i love the raid idea it really brings a whole new element to the whole idea
1: yeah, I, I was just—I saying, I really like that director Lee Unnel. Like, if, if for the people that have seen Upgrade, they kind of—you know what I'm talking about? Because like, I, I think Upgrade was like that director would do a Crow reboot so well because that movie in so many ways felt like it was the Crow in in in, in some aspects.
3: I don't know, but yeah, it's like a spiritual successor to it.
1: Kind of, yeah. It's like Black Mirror meets The Crow, and when you watch Upgrade, okay. it's it's pretty incredible. But, uh, oh, uh, let's see here. Moving on, uh, I'll talk about one thing that I did go see. I saw this one last week. I went and saw The Mule.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. You were telling me that there was moments of that taking place in Peoria, Illinois.
1: Yeah, well, the movie takes place at the beginning. It says Peoria, Illinois. Like, they didn't film there, but it just says Peoria, Illinois at the beginning. That's funny. Which is where we're from, so... Uh, Earl Stone is an 88-year-old horticulturist and Korean War veteran who is facing financial ruin and is estranged from his family. Desperate for money, he becomes a mule transporting cocaine from El Paso to Chicago. He becomes sort of a Robin Hood with his ill-gotten money, renovating his VFW post and paying for his granddaughter's wedding. He makes peace with his ex-wife before her death as the DEA and cartel closes in on him. It's directed by Clint Eastwood It stars Clint Eastwood, Bradley Cooper, Michael Pena, Andy Garcia And Lawrence Fishburne Um, I'm not going to talk about this one too long I really enjoyed this movie Up until the ending I I was so into this movie I was like, oh this is great This is so good I'm really enjoying this Um, You know It's it's a lot of cat and mouse uh, Between his character and Bradley Cooper It's a little bit of like Catch Me If You Can meets, I don't know, like fucking Narcos or, you know, one of these drug shows. And then the ending is just fucking terrible. It's It just ruins the movie, in my opinion. I would have given this movie a Tupperware had it not been for that awful ending of this movie. And it felt like the whole ending of this movie was just Clint Eastwood wanting to give us a message about... About his generation or something And how they're different from our generation And it didn't make sense with like The decisions that his character was making All the way up until that point And I just fucking I checked out I checked out so hard At the end of that movie It was just absolutely terrible So overall I'll give this movie A solid Man I'm gonna drop it down to a taste it Because of that ending um, I still think it's worth watching Um, I, I, everything else leading up to that is fantastic. I thought it was really good and I enjoyed it, but man, that ending fucking killed it for me. Oh, it just fucking killed it for me. And then another thing, another movie real quick, I saw vice. We don't talk politics on the show, so I'm not going to dive into it. And this is very political. This is the new Adam McKay movie. Um, it does some funny things in it. And, um, I liked it. I I liked it enough to give it uh, a taste that I, i do think it's worth watching it's some of the stuff is very experimental i love the the big short was so much better and that was his other movie that he did a year or two ago and i thought that was way better but um performances are good i'm gonna give it a taste it for vice he does some really fun there's something that he does in this movie like midway through that just had me cracking up and my whole audience cracking up so bail no, just the movie, the, what what Adam McKay chose to do with the movie itself.
3: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, and I, if I say anything more, I'm going to spoil it. And it's it's just, uh, it, this movie is very fourth-wall breaking, and there's a fourth-wall breaking moment that happens mid-film that was just really funny, and I, I thought it was really good. So, yeah, um, but bailed Bill had a good performance. Sam Rockwell was decent. I think Bill stole the show, though. I think he was really good in this one. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'll pass it off to one of you guys. Joe, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I watched uh, Brian Regan Stand Up and Away on Netflix. And uh, this one, like, right off the bat, was a total Tupperware for me. Uh, I've been a huge Brian Regan fan for years and years. And... This was really interesting because it's like it's his stand-up's greatest hits. But then there's a sketch comedy that's after the bit. And it's somewhat related to the bit that played. And it's really short. You can bang it out super fast. It was only four 24-minute episodes. And, you know, if if you're if you're a fan of Brian Regan's stand-up, you're going to love this. If you're a super fan of his, like, you'll be able to almost repeat the bits word for word. The, that he does for the the short little segments where he's in front of the audience but it, it's almost reminiscent of like the way that the Chappelle show did sketches in that you know there's a live audience there he goes out on the stage he talks a little bit and then the whole audience sees the bit and mm. or you know the sketch and uh but yeah for me it was so funny and he's such a visual comic too in the way that that he makes you know goofy faces in what he does with his his uh, body language and stuff and so it, it fit into the sketches really well so yeah huge fan of that and uh yeah total tupperware for me nice yeah i haven't
1: seen that they it came up front page for me on netflix and i i haven't watched much brian regan comedy you think i dig it
2: oh dude he's so funny he's he's one of those guys like jerry seinfeld where he, he's totally clean but he's absolutely freaking hilarious mm. like like i heard one of his bits from years ago he's like like what's going on with cranberries they keep getting in all the other juices it's like holy shit he's right (laughs) (laughs) like somebody tell that guy selling the cranberries slow down (laughs) but i mean and and it's like four episodes so it it's almost like is netflix just kind of throwing a little bit of bone here let's see what sort of exposure this gets are there a lot of people watching it yeah and so really i i hope a lot of people watch it i (laughs) hope it's successful because I would love to see more of this. Like, well, like four minutes was almost just a tease. Are you for doing four episodes?
1: Are you doing the thumbs up thing on the things that you like, Joe?
2: Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Yeah, I just learned hmm. something.
1: Always give the. Th- I'm telling you, everybody out there, if you see something on Netflix and you even even if you just liked it and you'd like to see it return, maybe you didn't love it and you just liked it, give it the thumbs up. You can rate these things: thumbs up or thumbs down. Um So just give it the thumbs up. I never thumbs down anything because I figure to myself that somebody else out there might like this. And I don't want to affect them not being able to see that show. I don't want to. Not like my vote is going to go that far, but I I don't, you know, if somebody likes it, I I don't have to watch it. You see what I mean? So I just give thumbs up to everything that I love on Netflix.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. I felt a lot more different about it back when it was the old five star system. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was like, you're actually rating something where now it does feel more like you're kind of giving your vote for the show or not.
1: Even with the five star, even if I wanted, even if I just liked something and I thought it was deserving of a three star, if I wanted it, if I liked it enough for it to come back, I'd always give stuff five stars. And that's how I do everything on IMDb as well. Like when I go to IMDb, it's like, okay, yeah, this was definitely a six star, but I'm going to give it a 10 (laughs) because I want it to come back.
3: Yeah, you yeah, know. exactly. If you want another season, you really got to just go go to the moon with your rating. Exactly. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. You
2: got anything else, Joe? Uh, yeah, I also watched the first episode of *Watership Down* on um, Netflix, oh, and indeed. that is oh, it's so good too. There's uh, it's four fifty-minute episodes. I've only watched the first one so far. Uh, *Watership Down* is based on a 1972 novel of the same name by Richard Adams, and if you've never heard a watership ship down, um, it, it's it's more or less there's these two brothers and one of them has got like kind of like this psychic ability, like he has dreams of things that are to come. And so the older brother knows this and he has a dream that that this place where where this their whole community lives is going to get wiped out and everybody's going to die. And so they go to like more or less the mayor of, of their little town and they say, you know, hey, we've got to get everybody out of here. But that guy doesn't take them seriously. And so they kind of spread the word around and just like a, them and like a handful of their friends leave. And they go on this big journey to set out and, and build this new community. And along the way, they run into other communities, like ones with like religious fanatics, ones that are like uh, like prisoners, and then a, another community that's like totally militant run in in like all these people who are living under martial law. And um like the big twist in Watership Down is – You know, you get all this great emotion, all this great character development, and, and like, they have all this really rich history and mythology behind them and everything. And the real twist on Watership Down is that these are all rabbits. And, like, it's not, like, anthropomorphized rabbits. These are, like, actual rabbits. They're, like, hopping around and shit. They're not picking up tools and using them with their hands. They're only doing the stuff that rabbits can do. And... Like this is just incredible. The first episode, it wasn't completely a hundred percent to the book, but it was close enough to it that like it absolutely captured my heart. And at least as far as the first episode goes, it's a high taste it for me. Um, definitely recommend people checking this out. They they did a m- animated movie of it. I'm thinking it was the late seventies, early eighties, and it was really trippy. Like like right along like the same lines of like Secret of Nim, trippy.
1: Hmm
2: and uh this one's great and the if you just watch the trailer i thought that the cgi was a little bit choppy in the trailer but i didn't notice any choppy cgi in the episode like nothing that took me out of it anyway so yeah definitely highly recommend watership down nice that's on netflix
3: yeah aren't there some big name people involved in that i i remember reading about this months ago but didn't realize it had come out already
2: Yeah, the main character is voiced by James McAvoy. You got John Boyega, Tom Wilkinson, Nicholas Holt, Ben Kingsley. Wow. Uh, Peter Capaldi does a voice in it. Great voice cast.
3: Oh Yeah, that that, that is huge. Man, Netflix gets all the big names lately for all their stuff, it seems like.
2: Yeah, people are really taking them seriously, that's for sure. They cast a wide net
1: i have to check that out. Yeah, I knew you mentioned it, but I didn't even get a chance to watch it. So I'll have to check that out. sounds really good. Do you remember That's... the
3: original movie, Brian? Uh, uh-uh, I've never seen it. Oh, that shit scared me as a kid.
2: <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> that, that original animation is wild, man. And, yeah. you know, what's kind of funny is I, I picked up that book because of the, the show Lost. Because... Anytime any of the characters... I was so obsessed with Lost. Anytime any of the characters in it were shown reading a book, I was like, I have to read that book because it might help me understand this show more. <laughs> and in one of the episodes, Sawyer is reading Watership Down. And he's like, oh, it's about bunnies. And I'm like, what the fuck? I- okay, I'm buying this paperback. And it turned into one of my favorite novels that I've ever read. So this that's is really cool. That they're awesome. doing. Yeah. Wow. Netflix is just pumping out so much shit. It's
1: crazy can't keep up with it who needs cable right you don't (laughs) you really don't at this point
3: no
2: i got rid of cable months ago yeah i don't have any. i haven't missed it at all
3: yeah i think if you're into sports that's about the only thing that they got you on these days
1: exactly yeah uh deadly class dropped this week on uh sci-fi channel and on uh youtube for free this is uh about three weeks early that the pilot dropped So I think we're going to have to wait a few weeks to get the second, uh, second episode sometime in mid-January. Uh, I'm not sure 100% like what day it'll drop, but uh, they dropped it on the Sci-Fi app on Sci-Fi.com and then on YouTube as well. And I found out about this uh, two hours after Rick Remender tweeted about it. And I was like, holy shit, Christmas has come early. I've been waiting for this show. And uh, Deadly Class is based on the Rick Remender comic, and I'm a fan of that book, so I've been looking forward to this show for quite a while now, and they have Deadly, uh, Deadly Class has the uh, Russo brothers as executive producers, so I was kind of like, all right, cool, that's awesome that they're involved in this. This one stars uh, Benjamin Wadsworth as Marcus, Lana Condor as Seiya Kuroki. Um, she was in Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which I saw that, that was a cute movie. Um, She also played Jubilee in the uh, X-Men Apocalypse film. And then the show also stars B.D. Wong. He plays Wong in the Doctor Strange movies. Um, This is uh, set in a dark comic book world against the backdrop of the late 80s counterculture. Deadly Class follows a homeless teen recruited into a storied elite private school where the world's top crime families send their next generations, maintaining his moral code. While surviving a ruthless curriculum, vicious social cliques, and his own adolescent uncertainties, soon proves to be vital. Uh, Joe, did you get a chance to see? Th- I know you watched this.
2: Yeah, I've watched it three times so far. I have too. Jake, did you get
1: a chance to see this? I did. I've seen it three times too, Joe.
3: <laughs> I watched it. I watched it one time.
1: Oh God, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you saw this one. Um I'll start with you, Jake. What did you think of Deadly Class?
3: I thought it was really good. Um, I've never, I love Rick Reminder, but I've actually never read this book. Um, yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. I appreciated, I was a little bit shocked at how much they could do the R rated stuff on Sci Fi Network and thought it was really cool, man. It felt like a really hardcore, like X Men. Indie comic kind of thing going on, and I love the even the cheeky reference to like the uh, X Men stuff with the uh, John Byrne, Chris Claremont gun to the head moment in yeah, the car. It was yeah. one of my favorite moments of the whole episode. That was cool. So yeah, I thought this was really cool. I thought the uh, it did a good job setting everything up. Usually pilots are really sloggy and boring, and within ten minutes, I was pretty captivated by this. And I thought the ending was good too. I, I'll watch more of this. It kind of sucks though that you lose the momentum of i really enjoyed this and now i have to wait three weeks to see anymore
1: yeah i think they just wanted to get it out there to
3: drum up support
1: yeah bring awareness to it and they knew everybody had you know christmas off and everything and and uh they wanted to make sure that people had the time off maybe to see this one and get it added to their DVRs and, and add it to their watch list and everything. So, um, yeah, what, I
3: don't want you to get correction Tuesday either. It's, um, Benedict Wong is the actor, by the way, BD Wong well, D.
1: Wong is, is from the, uh, the
3: character from bird box and Jurassic park. That's
1: right. Yeah, you're right. My bad. So, um, what are you, what are you going to rate it?
3: Oh, a high tasted. I said, I thought, no, you didn't. Oh, okay. my bad. I, I didn't hear it. Did
2: you hear it? Joe? I don't think he rated it. I
1: don't think he did
3: either. I thought I did at the very beginning. My apologies if I didn't. Yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. I thought it was very good for a pilot. Uh, Joe, what'd you think?
2: Yeah, this one was a total Tupperware for me. I mean, the it the shows. I watched it three times so far, and being that we have to wait so long for that next episode, I'm going to watch it more even before the the next one drops. And, and like Jake was saying, I'm I'm not familiar with the source material, but I'm a huge Rick Remender fan. And, I mean, this is – I couldn't believe that this is a sci-fi channel. I'm so happy with what they are doing with, with comic book adaptations. I love what they did with Happy. And and this one was so good. It, it even put me in mind of what they're doing, like, on Titans. Mm,
1: and, yeah,
2: man, this was – I loved all the character development in it. I loved the way they incorporated a little bit of animation in it when when he did a little bit of the backstory as to, you know, how how he got to where he's at. Yeah. And there is still so much more that we have to know about this character. But wow. I love the way that they introduced, you know, kind of all these main characters that he's going to be dealing with from these different cliques in the school. I, I loved how they they laid all those into the first episode. Uh, Benedict Wong's character was really, really brutal and intriguing. Uh, they they had one of my favorite people in the world in it, Henry Rollins, yeah. the poisons teacher, which <laughs> mm-hmm. was so cool. <laughs> and uh, and I love that this is taking place in the eighties. Um, Brian, what did you think of the soundtrack of this one?
1: I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I had so yeah, much fun sweet. with this. Yeah, I I'm also gonna give this a Tupperware. I I I am in love with this show. I am absolutely in love with the show. Um, I think I reviewed the first issue of this comic book on uh one of the first episodes of PCL. Uh so this is going back like nearly 6 years ago, but um I loved the book and it's so good. It's like it's like um uh Hogwarts for assassins. It's uh it's it's like high school but instead of like, you know, you've instead of having like the the preps and the jocks, you've got like the neo nazis and the yakuza. It's uh, <coughs> I and I even liked what Marcus said I liked he said like he was comparing it to a regular high school and he's like the only difference from this place in real high school is the dagger in your back is real and I was just like all oh, right that's so cool and then I loved it when he was like getting ready for his class and they they're giving him his books and Like, they hand him a weapon. They also hand him the the anarchist cookbook and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then the woman smiles at him. And it's like, whoa, she looks like she's been through some shit. (laughs) Her teeth are all (laughs) fucked up. It looks like she's probably gotten in some fights. Um, The homework assignment, like, their first homework assignment was to search for someone worthy to die and then kill them. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this show does not shy away from the violence. It doesn't shy away from the F bombs. This was a, an absolute Tupperware. I thought that this was fantastic. I I loved this show and I cannot wait for this season to go forward. Sci fi, you're right, Joe. Sci fi is doing some great things. They did, you know, uh, uh, Happy was great. And, and, and here they are doing another, in my opinion, doing justice to another comic book adaptation here. So yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of deadly class.
0: Hello. Yeah, <laughs> Hello. Hi. How's everybody doing? You still there? I am still here. When I stop saying stuff, I hope someone chimes in. It doesn't always happen. And
3: least... You said Joe's name like three times in that wrap up, so I thought he was going to conclude it that there.
1: Somebody, it was just some anybody say something for Christ's sake. It's you know even if you, I don't care what you say, just start. Uh, I don't know, sing a show tune. I don't give a shit. Just let me know you're fucking alive. Jeez, it's ridiculous.
3: Check my mute button. I was talking the whole time. I was on mute.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that excuse. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I can't wait, guys. Please do yourself a favor: watch Deadly Class. Just so you can watch it on YouTube for free. It's amazing. Just do yourself a favor and watch it. Rick Remender, love him. Black Science is a great comic book. I love that one too. I hope like Netflix gets a hold of that or something. But anyway, I saw Welcome to Marwin, gentlemen. Oh, wow. Welcome to Marwen. Yeah, looks
2: pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, on April 8th, 2000, this is based on a true story. On April 8th, 2000, aspiring artist Mark Hogan camp became a victim of a violent assault when five men beat him up and left him for dead. Following the attack, Mark was left with little to no memory of his previous life due to brain damage inflicted by his attackers. In a desperate attempt to regain his memories, Hogan Camp constructs a miniature World War II village called Marwin in his yard to help in his recovery. Unfortunately, Mark's demons come back to haunt him when he's asked to testify against the five men that attacked him. It's written and directed by Robert Zemeckis. This one stars Steve Carell and Leslie Mann. Um, This movie is so ambitious and it's just batshit fucking crazy there it, it is there are so many moving parts and stories going on in this one and they do not blend at all he's got he's got these dolls that we get these animated scenes and they they look gorgeous the scenes are amazing And they do a lot of these scenes, though, with these animated dolls to the point where it adds this weird humor to a film that's both like sad and heroic because it's sad that he got hurt in this way. And it's heroic that he faces men in court. But the humor just doesn't work. And it gets in the way of a really what could have been a really good movie. And, um then we get this other weird doll that comes to life in this, in this story called Dejah Thoris. And she's like this evil doll that loves Mark and then won't let him get close to anyone else. And there's a whole storyline with her that was just weird. And then Zemeckis is like, I don't know what he was thinking when he did some of this stuff. Like, it's It's got him written all over it, which I usually love in his movies. But this one, to the point where he actually slips in a time-traveling DeLorean, and it doesn't work at all. It just It's terrible. It's just terrible. This movie is awful. Absolutely awful. <laughs> this is the... I saw this one on Christmas Day, and this is just a... I wanted to go see if Beale Street could talk, but it's not playing anywhere near me. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch... Welcome to Mar When, m- m- more like Mar Never. There's never a when with this movie. Never watch this. This is terrible, and it does not work. It just, it just, it it, it just doesn't work. It's just, it's. There's so much going on, and it, it with with it's it's like there's. If he would have just stuck to one thing, I. But it's now we're animated now it's funny now it's like i'm supposed to care about this guy now and it, i would watch there's a mar there's a welcome to there's a welcome to marwin like documentary you can watch it on canopy it's called marwin call um it's, uh, m-a-r-w-e-n-c-o-l and you get to see the real guy mark hogan uh, was it Hoganbaum? What's his fucking name? Yeah, Hogan Camp. Excuse me. Hogan Camp sounds like a fucking wrestling camp for kids with Hulk Hogan there, right? Um,
3: <laughs> all right. Eat your vitamins. Eat your
1: there. vitamins, train brother. Um, but yeah, you can watch Marwan Call. It's a documentary. It's on Canopy. You might be able to like check it out somewhere else. But you get to see kind of like what they changed for the film too. And, uh, you know, they, they changed quite a bit to be quite honest with you. Like in uh, – some of the women in, in the movie, all the women of Marwin are women that have kind of like helped him throughout his recovery. And in the actual documentary, there's like 27 different dolls and like one of them is his mother and like, they're, I don't know. It, it, and like, he wasn't attacked by these neo-Nazi men that they show in the actual movie. He was actually attacked by teenagers in real life. <laughs> they, they changed a lot just to kind of, I don't know. Modernize
3: it, make it modernize a it modern yeah. day metaphor. It didn't
1: help though. I mean, it, this movie is it, it's garbage. It is really bad, and I'm not just saying that because everybody's saying that. I'm saying that because it's bad. It's really bad. <sighs> it is not a good movie.
3: Um, that's sad to hear. The trailer was definitely intriguing, and man, I mean, Zemeckis usually everything he does, I just absolutely love. So that's that is sad to hear.
1: Dude, it's it's really 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 bad. The character of Deja. I think it's Deja Thoris, this blue haired character. That's this, that's obsessed with it. That, that storyline just needs to go. That was just <laughs> fucking terrible. It was just absolutely awful. I, I can, I will never watch this movie again. It's something that I think you need to see though, just to see it, just to see how bad it is to make up your own mind. But it yeah, is not I do, good. I
3: do want to see it. I, I believe Zemeckis is doing a movie with the rock next, So hopefully, um, Hopefully that'll improve his stature. I saw this, this this is bombing.
1: Well, I saw this, I saw this trailer and I was like this, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this movie just seems odd. And I kind of warmed up to it a little bit later. I knew it was a Mac and I warmed up to it later, but my initial thoughts were like, this just seems like an odd movie. It's based on a true story. And you're, I understand this guy, you know, in real life takes pictures of these dolls and like, you want to animate that, but they did it so much. It shouldn't have been a huge part of the story.
3: Um, yeah, just, I remember. I remember when we talked about this trailer on the episode, mm-hmm. and you you were just kind of like, "This is weird." <laughs> it, it, it is
1: weird. It's very weird. It reminds me. It reminds me of uh, Wired, the John Buscemi, uh, John Buscemi, um, the John Belushi movie that they made. That was
3: oh, the crappy one.
1: It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a John Belushi kind of like uh biopic and they made it uh, Dan Aykroyd was telling people not to go see it. It's it's they basically took the story of like um Scrooge and turned it into John Belushi, and John Belushi's—I'm not kidding you. This is a real movie. John Belushi is dead in the movie, and he ha- its almost like he's being visited by the the ghosts of his past, and he has to watch all the bad things that he did in his lifetime.
2: Oh, what the fuck! It's That's talking about like a kick when they're down
1: movie. Yeah, it's it's uh, this movie came out in like the late '80s, I believe, and like yeah. I hadn't watched it for years because I heard like you know Dan Aykroyd say. Oh, don't watch this movie. And then years later, I totally had forgotten about that. And I started watching it. And I was like this. I got 30 minutes in and I remembered how bad, you know, people were panning this movie. And I turned it off. I was like, I'm out of respect for John Belushi. I'm not going to finish this pile of shit. This is terrible. I can't believe that. Yeah, the guy is the, the man died. And they're going to make a movie where about him, where he has to watch his life and the bad decisions that he made, and the drug use and all that stuff, and do it in kind of like a Scrooge kind of kind of way.
3: Christmas. Carol what a terrible way. decision of a way to make a like a biopic film about someone. Oh, it th-
1: yeah, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Yeah, it's called Wired. Never watch it. It is just a terrible fucking movie. Yeah. You guys want to take a break? yeah that'd be great you, you cool. good joe let's take a break we'll take a break and we'll come <laughs> back and we'll talk about bird box we are back, and we are going to be talking about Bird Box, and I am drinking.
3: Yeah, good (laughs) good choice. Fuck it, right? (laughs) Take the edge off.
1: In the wake of an unknown global terror, a mother must find the strength to flee with her children down a treacherous river in search of safety. Due to unseen deadly forces, the perilous journey must uh, must be made blindly. Directed by Academy Award winner Susan Beer... Bird Box is a thriller starring Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock, John Malkovich, Sarah Paulson, B.D. Wong, and Trevante Rhodes. I got the right Raw Wong.
3: (laughs) Yes, you got it. You got it right.
1: It it also uh, had Tom Hollander from Taboo in it. I just wanted to point that out. I love that actor. He was uh, If you watch Taboo, he was Chom Lee in that show. It was nice to see Tom Hollander in this one. Uh, Like I said, it's directed by Susan Beer. Uh, Eric Heiser did the screenplay based on a novel by John Mallerman, his 2014 novel Bird Box. Um, Yeah, what'd you think, Joe?
2: Yeah, this one is. This is not the sort of movie that I usually go after, like the kind of like the suspense thriller type thing. This is. Like, I'm not going to lie, I spent the entirety of this movie in a state of very high, high anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, God, this is embarrassing to admit, but I, I actually took a break like halfway through it and looked it up on on Wikipedia and read how it was going to end and then started watching it again. And then I felt a lot better. But it's just, oh, God, just all the, all the scenes with them in the river and stuff. It's like. How in the hell are you going to navigate a boat blindfold and then they threw the rapids in and everything and then having the kids with them? I, I think at a point in time in my life before I had kids, I would have been able to watch this sort of thing a lot easier. But now being as a parent, it was wow. It, it just took my anxiety levels off the chart. But but beyond all that, I thought story wise and everything, it was really good. There weren't any real big grown moments in it for me. Uh, I, I was really happy with the way it ended, and 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 I liked that we didn't really get a, a solid look at, at what these entities or or whatever were. I I, I thought it was best left uh, just up to the imagination of what these people were seeing. Yeah. And yeah. you know, but before I watched this one, a lot of people were comparing it to The Happening, which is like that's like on my top three list of movies that I absolutely <laughs> dislike. Yes. And, and so I, I was a little re- uh, reticent going into it, but, but I, I felt like they tackled this way better than, than M. Night Shyamalan did. And I, I I'll give this one just a taste it. And but I mean, really, I'm, I'm not the best person to rate this kind of movie cause it's not really my cup of tea. Um, like ironically, like I can handle post apocalyptic, uh, comic book stories pretty well, but like just seeing it like as a movie like it, these sort of things just give me a real emotional reaction hmm. so so that's why this one's just a taste it for me
1: yeah I'll, I'll jump in here next uh i'm also gonna give it a taste it and it's not for the reasons that you said i just kind of like i watched it and i w- i left it kind of like okay that was that was uh that was a movie uh that i watched it wasn't i i never was like really on the edge of my seat i it, I thought some of the performances were lackluster. I, I wasn't... I, I l- usually love John Malkovich. I thought he was not good in this movie. Um, I just didn't really... I, I th- And I hate to say it. It's like, um, you know, what was it? The John Krasinski movie that came out.
3: Uh, the Quiet Michael Place. Bay one? No. Oh, Quiet Place. Yeah, yes. Quiet Place. I...
1: I don't want to sit here and say I was comparing it to the whole time. I just know that I like that better than this one. And um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like it didn't handle. I don't think that this move, I think it was, I, I don't think that they tackled everything with the time allotted in the best way. There should have been more about – there should have been more with her kids. And then there's – the way that they kept blending like when the event first happened to where they are now, it just didn't work for me them bouncing back and forth. I felt like this could have been like like the new It movie that's coming out where you get like two stories like when they're kids and then the adult story. And I felt like this would have been better served had it been possibly a mini series or two movies. One story that shows the beginning, and then one story that gives us more character develop- development with her kids. And I just felt like having all that packed into one, like, two-hour movie, I didn't get enough to get me emotionally invested in this. And so... I thought it was fun overall, but I'll give it a taste. It. It's just a taste. It from me. I. I, uh, It it worked in some parts and in other parts it just did not work for me. And um, Jake, what'd you think?
3: Yeah, I I absolutely loved this thing. I'm gonna Tupperware this, and I mean, I just love living in the post Bird Box world now. Like, there's not been a day since I've seen this movie that. I haven't read some new theory about it or seen some meme about it. And like, I'm just really enjoying kind of the impact on pop culture that this movie is having. And while I watched it, I mean, for me, it was just a two hour anxiety thrill ride. I, I really, really enjoyed it. So I agree that there is a bunch of like, the more you think about this movie, the kind of dumber it gets. Like, and it didn't really spend a lot of time on things. And if you kind of boil them down, you're like, well, that's kind of that's kind of fucking weird. Um, I think one of the biggest mishandlings is kind of the the dealing with it. Like the people with like mental illnesses are the people that are the agents of darkness, and there's not much like explanation going into that. And that's kind of fucked up the more you think about it. It just is what it is. That's just kind of one of the rules of the movies, right? all the people that are forcing people to look at whatever the thing is, we're all, you know, people with mental illness and that probably could have been handled better. But yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. It was just a fun, thrill anxiety ride for me. And I really enjoyed it. So I don't know that it's something that I necessarily need to watch again anytime soon, but man, it was just such a fantastic experience. And I would recommend anyone that hasn't seen it to see it. So it's a Tupperware for me.
1: There was a, you're talking about like the impact it's had on pop culture this week. And, and we've seen a lot of the memes come out. Um, a writer for Variety, she's not saying this is what's happened, but she kind of is hinting that she believes that Netflix had a bunch of these memes Generated themselves and ready to go by the time that this movie came out. She's a writer for Variety, and she tweeted about it's. She, I, I I I had it in my notes, and it's gone now, so I'm gonna have to paraphrase. But she basically that's said, fascinating. She basically said that um, it's weird that as soon as my article came out about this, that it's almost like an intern somewhere had memes at the ready. Because like after Because like there were memes posted under her article And all this stuff And the movie had barely come out And so it made me think like Where there's a smoke, there's a fire I think that, yeah Are we going to see this happen now? Is this going to be like Because is it creating this false sense of like um, Fandom for Bird Box and people are because, you know, like when a Marvel movie comes out or a Marvel trailer, excuse me, or or a movie comes out, we see a bunch of memes based on the movie. And people are sending memes all over Reddit, Tumblr, Instagram. They're all over the place. And it's funny, though, that like when a DC trailer comes out, the the memes are making fun of it, if there are memes at all. And... Now I'm thinking to myself, are studios going to start doing this? If this is like even just this person like speculating that this might happen, could a movie that's that that's not as popular? And I'm not saying that Bird Box is not popular. Netflix is saying that 45 million people have watched Bird Box within the first seven days. And it's basically they're saying it's the best first seven days for a movie that they've ever had. And I, I, I don't. We, there's no way to check Netflix's stats. There's no way to see. We, we have. No, so Netflix could be just saying this to kind of like, you know, help the point that yeah, that's why all these memes are getting made too. And I don't even think that they're really worried about it because you know what? Even if it's fabricated buzz, it's it's only helping more people watch Bird Box. But I don't want this to be the thing now, where like other studios are look like looking at this and seeing like. Well, shit, we can do that too. Let's make up our own memes, and like have them ready at the go. As soon as the movie drops, it'll create like this false sense of excitement over this movie.
3: Yeah, that's a valid fear. That's super fascinating to me. But I think it's only gonna like let's say hypothetically Netflix is making the memes, and I don't, I don't put it against them. Like that very well could be true. I agree where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, but I, I think both sides of the equation have to work for it to work right like if bird box wasn't watched by so many people it wouldn't be so it wouldn't catch fire so quickly from the netflix generated memes like this strategy could easily fall flat if the thing in question doesn't you know catch like wildfire in the first place right this show is just so easily memeable in the first place well, that goes yeah uh,
1: that goes back to like what i said we don't have access to like really what people are watching on Netflix we just have to take Netflix's word that it was the most successful movie that they've had launch within its first 77 days and that 45 million people watched it there's no way for us to find out to fact check that to see if it's true
3: it just feels like there's a lot of people watching it right like my boss at work asked me about it he never watches movies so it's like that kind of thing it seems like at this point like it just you can just kind of feel that it's being watched by a lot of people, but yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, I don't know.
2: I, I felt like Netflix did a good job advertising this one though, too, because like I'd seen the trailer for this maybe three times or so before I actually watched the movie.
3: Yeah, and that's rare for Netflix.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting thing. I I I, I like the movie. I just didn't love it. I think there's, I don't know. I'm glad you loved it, Jake. I I, I am. I'm glad that you love this one. I just felt like there could have been, I just never really, like, with the, I never got connected with the kids and their story, and I feel like maybe they didn't want you to, because, like, we are kind of following her character, and she's been kind of, you know, she didn't even name them, you know, we find that out, and so, I don't know, it just, for me, it just didn't work. As well as yep. some, you know...
3: Are we doing spoiler territory at all, no. At all
1: here? No, let's not. This It's only been out for a little over a week. I don't want to spoil it too much, so...
3: All right, cool, cool, cool. Because I, I read into um, the differences between the uh, movie and the book because I was so fascinated. And one of the uh, changes to the ending is really fascinating. Yeah, I heard about... I'll, t- I'll tell you after the show.
1: Yeah, I saw that there was an article about, like, you know, the, the different ending and and everything but let's jump into uh the us trailer this finally came out uh we recently just learned like the synopsis for this one this is jordan peele's new movie this is like his follow-up to get out and um what was awesome about this us trailer for me is that they weren't going to release the trailer online until christmas day but they showed it a day early in the theaters, maybe even two days early in the theaters, because like they played this one in the theater when I saw Vice on Christmas Eve. And so I was like, oh my God, this is the fucking us trailer. I was freaking the fuck out because like typically... I will see these on my phone first and just to be able to see it on the big screen first before I watched it on my phone was just so awesome. So that was incredible. But um, yeah, the uh, us trailer after sending shockwaves across the contemporary culture and setting a new standard for provocative, socially conscious horror films with his directorial debut, get out uh, Academy award winning visionary. Jordan Peele returns with another, Original nightmare that he has written, directed, and produced. Set in present day, along with the iconic Northern California coastline, Us from Monkey Paw Productions stars Oscar winner Lupita Nyongo, Adelaide Wilson, a woman returning to her beachside childhood home with her husband, Gabe, played by Winston Duke, and their two children. Uh, for an idyllic summer getaway. Haunted by an unexplainable and re- unresolved trauma from her past and compounded by a string of eerie coincidences, Adelaide feels her paranoia evaluate, elevate to high alert as she grows increasingly certain that something bad is going to befall her family. After spending a tense, day, uh, tense beach day with their friends, the Tylers, played by uh, Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker, Adelaide and her family return to their vacation home when darkness falls, the Wilsons discover the silhouette of four figures holding hands as they stand in the driveway. Us pits an endearing American family against a terrifying and uncanny opponent, doppelgangers of themselves. Watching that in the fucking theater and seeing that reveal for the first time was pretty incredible. So what did you guys think about the Us trip? I'm going to start. Fuck it. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Awesome. I cannot wait to see this movie. I've been looking up um, a little bit, everything I can about this movie. And apparently like these supernatural creatures that uh, that Jordan Peele has come up with for like their doppelgangers are called the tethered. I don't know what that all entails and what these supernatural creatures are capable of. But I just think that you've got these actors playing two different roles and the way they move and the way that they act when they encounter the family in the home just creeped me the fuck out. And I Tupperware this trailer. I cannot wait to watch this movie now and see what he does with this. So I, I loved it. Uh, Joe, what do you think of the Us trailer?
2: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said creepy because like this trailer creeped me the fuck out. I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched it. And when it was revealed that there were these... Fucking supernatural, just off versions of the family themselves. Like, oh, it was just so eerie, and and it left all these questions with me. Like, wh- where does it go from there? If they are they are they going to be replaced by them, and then are these doppelgangers going to go about the lives that these characters were living before that? I mean, wow, there's so many different directions this could go, and I wasn't expecting it to be that creepy, but I mean, it was in. Yeah, the way that they moved and and they're wearing all those the the weird masks at yeah. first. And did the one character have like a bunch of scars on his face under the mask? Uh, I didn't notice that. Or did they look exactly like like the other ones? I, I I was just watching it on my phone screen, so so it was kinda hard to tell, but but I, I watched the trailer a few times and and yeah, this is definitely something that if I were to watch it, it would give me serious anxiety <laughs> and like I would be so freaked out. So I mean, yeah, for for a horror film, it, it's doing a good job mm-hmm. and and it's it's not in my wheelhouse for movies that I go out and see. It'd be something that my wife would love, so I'll I'll, I'll probably end up watching it at some point. It will probably freak me the fuck out, and so I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a high taste it because for for the horror genre, it's it's doing something that I haven't seen before, and that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I absolutely loved it too. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a Tupperware as well. I, I thought it looked super creepy. I I agree with Joe. I think they did have some kind of deformities going on in their faces. They weren't like mirror identical because you see like the mask come off at one point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it looked so freaky, and it was just the way. It was that shot in the living room that you're talking about, Brian, that just yeah. clinched it for me. I was almost at that point I didn't want to see anymore. I'm like, I'm fine with that being the only trailer I see of this movie, and I'm I'm completely sold. So I can't wait to see what the rules are to these tethered. The tethered, and, yeah. Yeah, I love that name. but Even that is super exciting. Like, what? why do they have these doppelgangers? It's obviously not a good thing. So I, I cannot wait to see what the twist and the why of it all is for this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited.
1: The synopsis talks about, you know, Lupita Nyong'o's character having this unexplainable and unresolved trauma from her past. And she sees, like, all this going on. So her paranoia is, like, at an all-time high now. And... Maybe she's encountered something like this or her family has before in the past. I don't know, but I am all in. Cannot wait to see this one in the theater. I hope it scares the living shit out of me. And I am so glad that Jordan Peele said, I'm not going to do your Akira reboot or your Akira live action movie. I'm doing this. And he's doing another original thing that he's, you know, he's directing, he's written it, he's produced it. This is awesome, and I cannot wait to watch Us. This is great. I would be happy if this is the only trailer. I don't want to see any more. Um, and the way that they use the song, right, to make it creepy, Every, we, we know that I got five on it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that scene was hilarious, too, at the beginning. Yeah. I, I love any time you have to explain that kind of stuff to children.
1: Yeah, that was great. So, uh, Jake, what do you got? You got anything?
3: Oh, yeah, I I finally got a chance to go see uh, Mary Poppins Returns. I wanted to briefly talk about that. Um, This is the Mary Poppins sequel with Emily Blunt, um, you know, taking over the role. And it also has Lin-Manuel Miranda in it as Jack the Lamplighter. Um, You get spots with Meryl Streep and Angela Lansbury, uh, even a spot by Dick Van Dyke. Um, Yeah, I I absolutely love this movie. I'm going to go ahead and Tupperware it. I am... I just thought it was did some stuff really well. Like um, in some ways I almost compare it to um, I kill giants and what what is it? When monsters call in dealing with um, how you react to close loved ones dying and, you know, right after that and how you move on with your life and, you know, what kind of mental effects that have on you. And I thought this movie dealt with that in obviously a much more fun way for such a serious topic. And Man, I, I really enjoyed that, and I thought the message was r- really cool. I was smiling ear to ear during the whole movie, even with that kind of you know dark undertones going on to it. Uh, the songs really did it for me. I thought Emily Blunt was fantastic as the role. I mean, she just completely took it over for me, and within ten minutes, I didn't even think about it anymore. Um, and man, if you even if you're not interested in Mary Poppins at all the scene with Dick Van Dyke is just priceless. And there is a moment when Dick Van Dyke kind of jumps up on a table and does a dance number. And you can see in Lynn, it made me laugh out loud in the theater because you can see Lynn basically go, Oh shit with his face. Cause this 90 plus year old man is jumping up on this table with no assistance and doing this number. And it was just absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I thought this really did it justice. Um, Absolutely loved it. I've seen kind of mixed feelings on this movie. I, I think people either think it was kind of a little bit of a cash grab or, you know, that, you know, maybe we did need it. There are seven, eight Mary Poppins books and we only had one movie. So it's not like the source isn't, you know, ripe with more material. So yeah, I, I kind of hope we get some more Emily Blunt Mary Poppins. Honestly, I'd be fine with some more of this three, four years down the line. I, I just absolutely loved it. So do you guys see this by chance?
1: I did not see this one. No, I'm not a, I've never been a fan of Mary Poppins, so I will probably not watch this. I'm glad that you loved it cuz I mean, I know it's a big part of your childhood and you enjoyed that movie. I just I just I never have been a Mary Poppins fan.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I know you're not big into musicals, so this is definitely very much a musical. It also felt very old-timey, which I really appreciated. It didn't modernize the story it takes place just like one generation after the last movie. And it just felt like an old timey musical, you know, with big dance numbers on the roof and everything. And yeah, I, I just, I found it fantastic. It was just magical for me.
1: Good deal. All right. Awesome. Um, what else you got anything else?
3: No, I mean, just, I watched kind of all the other stuff you guys watched too along with that, you know?
1: Okay. Um, like what, what, what are you talking about?
3: Oh, just like The Bird Box and oh. The Deadly Class.
1: Oh, okay. and the- All right. I saw uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, this is directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, this was a Fathom event that hit theaters on December 17th and, uh, and December 27th. So it was only uh, a limited run, and they only had two days where they were showing it. Uh, it's a World War I documentary that uses film footage captured during the war. So from 1914 to 1918, I believe. And the footage has been meticulously restored. Jackson uses the voices of the real men involved in the war in the film, which shows how these men face this war on the front line, as well as the soldiers' attitudes towards the conflict. I mean, everything from... It covers everything, like literally everything about these men in this war, like from them sleeping while the battle was raging on and bombs are being dropped to being injured. um, You know, them watching men around them die. Uh, Even at the guys talking about how being, uh, some of them were so tired that they fell asleep standing up. And I was just like, Oh my God, you really get a sense of like the conditions that these men had during this war. I think this really gets that across. They used, uh, like I said, the voices of the real men during interviews that they had in the sixties, and then played that over this footage that they restored. They took black and white footage from the BBC and Imperial war museums archives. They cleaned up the prints and they digitally colorized everything. And that process is just incredible most of the footage that they found was anywhere from like 10 at the low. It was like 10 frames per second. Some of it was up to 15 and possibly some of it was 17 to 18, but they took all the footage and they got everything to 24 frames per second. And it just looks fluid. Um, They colorized it. And it looks amazing. After the documentary, Peter Jackson showed like a 30-minute look into like what they did to bring this footage to life. Things like getting the colors right. They had to access Jackson's. Jackson has an amazing collection of World War One Uniforms, weapons. It's insane. This guy has it all. It was so crazy that he's just like, he's not a historian. He's just kind of like a... Uh, uh, an avid uh, collector of World War I uh, memorabilia. And um, Jackson did a lot of the legwork for this movie. I was impressed he didn't delegate this stuff. He went to battle sites. He took pictures of the land and these battle sites and the way they are now. And he said the hardest thing for them to do was to colorize, not the uniforms and the, and the people, he said it was the, the grass and the dirt because we all know what grass and dirt should look like. And he said it was really hard to do that. He had his own personal collection of uniforms so they could look at the colors off the uniforms and, like, you know, the badges on the uniforms and get the colors just right. But it was like the grass and the dirt that they were having the biggest hard, the hardest time with it. His company wasn't even doing the colorization. He called it an American company. But he did all the legwork for them and took all these pictures. And um, they. They added sound effects to everything. They had guys making sounds for everything that you would see on screen and they would replicate what they were doing. So like if a guy took off his backpack, you would hear they had a guy come into the studio. They would record him on microphones taking off a backpack, you know, like how it sounds when it leaves the shoulder, how it sounds when it drops down, how it sounds when it hits the ground. He had them, uh, you know, like when these guys are digging trenches, like digging in the dirt, they were recording this when they were walking, when everything. And they also like when guys were talking in these videos, they didn't have audio back then. We couldn't hear what they were saying. They had professional, the best lip readers in there to figure out what these people were saying. And then they got actors to voice the lines. And um, all the weapons that are in this, they recorded using the real weapons and cannons from that time. So, like, the sounds of the shells, like, discharging out of the cannons and the shells discharging out of the guns, that's all real. And it's all the same weapons and guns that they used during that time. And it was all recorded by Jackson and his team. This was a labor of love. This was fucking incredible. And my theater was packed. It was the last showing. It was 4 o'clock on the 27th. My theater was packed and it, it starts off and they show you what the original footage looks like when you're watching this. And then all of a sudden as the movie goes on and you're, as you're listening to people talk about the war and like what made them enlist all of a sudden, boom, it's colorized. And they had this Jake, Joe, I watched this in 3d and you're thinking oh, yourself, wow. yeah, this was in 3D. You're thinking, why are they doing this with such old footage? Because it's the closest I'm ever going to feel to like what these men saw with their eyes. And there was some parts in this where they couldn't film these close-up battles, like where the guys put on the bayonets and they're actually in the trenches fighting the Germans and stabbing them. They couldn't have somebody there filming it with one of those big, huge fucking recorders that they used to film stuff on. So... Peter Jackson was no,
3: no GoPro back then.
1: Exactly. So, <laughs> Peter Jackson had to go to his collection of like old World War I magazines that had artist renditions of like the action and the battles. And Peter Jackson thought maybe he had 20 of these magazines. He had like literally over 200. And they took those pictures and the ones that matched up with like what the guys were saying from the archives that they had recorded. And they showed that on the screen. This is fucking awesome. It is so awesome good it's called they shall not grow old it's out of theaters right now but once this gets released you have to see this it is amazing just watching like what they did taking this from like 10 to 24 frames per second and just how amazing and fluid it looks I hope he does more of this kind of stuff I hope that because they have they had over like 600 hours of like footage or whatever probably even more and they had to whittle this down into like you know a two hour thing. And it was fucking incredible. My theater was packed. I showed up late thinking like nobody's going to show up to this thing. Everyone was there. <laughs> Everyone wanted to see I, this.
3: I read it was the highest grossing Fathom event of all time. I'm not
1: surprised in the slightest.
3: Yeah, this this does look amazing. It, it sounds like it's just awesomely meticulous with its like execution. I, I can't wait to see this. Uh, yeah. Man, the Fathom events—so many cool things, but they give you those like four show times, and ouch, it's hard yeah. with my schedule.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's rough. I I was lucky enough to uh, you know be able to get there. I was really worried that I was not going to get to see this, and when I when I when I when I was available at four, I was just like. I wasn't feeling good that day. I was still like really sick, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not contagious, so I'm gonna go." And so I just like doubled down on the uh, the, the cough meds, and and I went, and I really enjoyed this, and I'm glad I got to see this one, especially in 3D. Um,
3: yeah I'm jealous of you on this one I looked at the four times and it was just impossible for me and that's so cool you got to see in 3d I can't wait till this is VOD
1: yeah it's really good so Tupperware this it is amazing um it's called they shall not grow old and it's uh man what a what a when they came to him he had no idea what they were going to do he was like yeah we'll restore it but he didn't know to the links that they would go to to bring, dude, there, there was a, there's a, there, there's this, uh, one scene with like this, uh, officer and he's reading kind of like their morning to the soldiers, like this morning kind of like, um, uh, um, uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's kind of like,
3: like news roll, news call. or No, something. It, it's kind of
1: like a speech to get them pumped up for the day. Right. And, oh, and Like a morale speech. A morale speech, exactly. And they had no idea the lip readers were having a really hard time with, like, what he was saying. So Peter Jackson, like, went into the archives and he found out, like, what day this guy had recorded that, what, what day they had recorded this guy saying this morale speech on. And then they went into the archives to find out, like, what, because, like, this was all hand typed and given to them by higher ups and so they found out uh uh th- the day that he read this and what speech he would have been given that day to read to the men aloud and it was that speech so peter jackson's talking about how like for years i've seen this clip and i never knew what that guy said and now we've we got an actor in there and we matched it up and now we know what this guy is saying to those men and it was incredible the links that it's not peter jackson didn't like delegate a lot of this stuff a lot of the stuff he like took on himself i am so impressed with this fucking guy like you know more it
3: sounds like he kind of fell down the rabbit hole
1: yeah 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 it was amazing just like the luck that he had finding some of this stuff and you know it's just fucking great movie watch it they shall not grow old directed by peter jackson so good so yeah
2: um I remember years and years ago, they had a documentary on the History Channel that was called World War II in Color, where they'd taken a bunch of old footage and and colorized it. And that was amazing. But I mean, this sounds leaps and bounds more, just so much more than that. Like, yeah, I can't wait to see this on video on demand.
1: Yeah, that's Peter Jackson was saying that. He's like, yeah, they've colorized stuff before. They've done this before. He's like, but what could we do that was different? And it all just kind of like (sighs) – just just the final product is just so amazing. Oh, it's so fucking cool. So well done. Um Black Mirror Bandersnatch came out. A lot of people were thinking that this was uh in place of the 5th season. That is not true. We're still getting a true 5th season of Black Mirror. Some people thought that we were going to get the fifth season first and the movie was going to come later. That was also not the case. This kind of just sprang on us within the last few days. But uh, Black Mirror Bandersmatch, uh, Bandersmatch Snatch set <laughs> in night. I can't. I'm drinking now. Fuck you. Um. Set set in 1984, a young programmer begins to question reality as he adapts a sprawling fantasy novel into a video game and soon faces a mind-mangling challenge. Fiona Whitehead, Will Poulter, and Asim Chaudhry co-star in the film, which has reportedly been directed by David Slade. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah. um, Let's talk about Bandersnatch. I want to get Joe's thoughts. What did you think about Black Mirror? Did you watch this, Joe?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and then we went through and and did a bunch of skipping around and checked every other, you know, available. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let me throw that. Path you could take. Yeah. This is kind of like an inter. I should have said this earlier. This is an interactive. Black Mirror always has to do with the technology. It's always every story is about the technology. And so, like, this is doing something completely different with this movie. And it's kind of like a choose your own adventure movie where I heard that this wasn't working on. Google Chrome and Apple TV but I don't know if that's true or not
3: it is I, I tried to watch it on Apple TV and there's a montage of Black Mirror clips of characters saying they're sorry
1: okay so I watched it on my PS4 and it worked um, and it actually vibrated on the controller every time I had to make a decision so it kind <laughs> of like gra- yeah, it grabs your attention so um, but basically like you know there'll be a, you'll be watching the movie and all of a sudden it'll ask you whether you want to you know listen to to this artist or you want to listen to the thompson twins and you get to choose and like each choice that you make can give you a different story and a different ending to the movie that you're watching but um it's a it's a basically it's a choose your adventure like those were popular in the 80s those choose adventure stories and it's a choose your own adventure movie uh yeah joe what'd you think about this one
2: yeah, I, I liked it. This was a high taste it for me. Um I, I remember reading Choose Your Own Adventure books and I really enjoyed those when I was younger. And uh, Black Mirror is sometimes hit or miss with me just because the, it it's not really known for having endings that leave you with the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> you know, they, they can't all be San Junipero.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh but this one was really fun and and I liked the interactive aspect of it. It was really cool. And I watched this one on my fire stick and man, they don't give you a lot of time to sit and ponder it either. Like what you're going to choose. Like for me, you know, it had like a a timer that was running out on the screen. And, and so you just kind of had to jump right into it. And I I felt like as the movie went on in some of the choices, some of it kind of jumped the shark a little bit, but it just made me laugh out loud. (laughs) And and that was kind of new for me. Like with Black Mirror, it's like I don't know. Usually when I think of Black Mirror, I just think of oh my god, this is like I'm gonna just feel like I need a shower when I'm done with this. But but this one was it was it was pretty good. I mean, it had some dark endings to it, depending on how how it went. But and then there were other parts of it where it felt like they they just put that option in just to give you an option. But then really, you're gonna have to go back and, and choose the option. The other option, mm-hmm. if you want to progress on with the story, and and I suppose that's how choose your own adventures go anyway. But I mean, some some of the choices felt a little bit contrived, but but I liked it. I liked the setting in this one, how it was in the eighties, like like another eighties thing that I loved all the music in, and um, I I had a lot of fun with this. I I don't know how much it's going to have for me in terms of rewatchability. When when we were when my wife and I were done watching it, we were like, hmm, I don't know if we want to go through it but but by the next day we were like yeah let's go through it and and see all the different options that we missed and um yeah definitely definitely worth checking out and and it's it's got that black mirror feel to it but not the same as a regular episode
3: jake uh were you able to watch this or yeah yeah i ended up i ended up just having to watch it on my ipad instead Since I didn't, um, I have a PlayStation 4, but I didn't even think about that. I just went ahead and hooked up the iPad and watched it on my iPad. What would you think? I'm going to give it a middle-of-the-road taste it. Um, You know, for the first half an hour, I was really kind of giddy about it and was was kind of in high-taste it, maybe even Tupperware territory. Um, I'm kind of fanatical about the idea. I love the idea. Big fan of all the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Had a ton of that type of stuff when I was a kid. So I'm instantly kind of grabbed and intrigued by the idea. And the execution was pretty neat. It was neat how seamless it was. I mean, I've seen stuff like this before where you had to have big pauses and then the DVD would have to find the scene you were choosing and get to it. So it was neat to see it work so seamlessly. But I don't know. I, I About a half an hour, 40 minutes in, I, it kind of got a little bit tedious for me. I didn't think the story was the best. And having to you, you didn't actually rewatch things, but you watched things that were very similar, you know, two or three times. And it it just started to feel a little bit tedious, like one of the lesser telltale games for me by the end of it. And I mean, and I understand that you can't make the path so branching that you have to write all these, you know, film, all these different scenes and everything. You kind of have to have that guiding hand. So it, takes a little bit away from the choose your own adventure aspect of it you know and i and i get that but yeah i don't know it just kind of failed a little bit for me in story execution i i wanted it to be a tupperware so bad and it just didn't quite get there for me so interesting experiment though
1: yeah, I loved Choose Your Adventure books when I was a kid. Um, when they announced this, like, months ago, that they were going to... This was actually a long, long time ago. They, were gonna, they announced that they were going to be doing, like, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure where you get to choose your ending and make choices for characters in a Black Mirror story. I thought it was a stupid fucking idea then. And after watching it, I still think it's fucking stupid. Um, I it works better as books and it worked better as a book when I was a kid. I did not have fun throughout this entire process, except for because of the decisions I, I I came into this when I started to first get introduced to the character and like what was going on here. I was like, I am not going to be, my character is going to say no to everything. He is not going to agree with everybody. That's the kind of character I'm going to choose. My character is not going to tell the psychiatrist about his mother He's not going to do this. He's not going to accept the job. He's not going to, you know, accept the job to be, you know, like the video game programmer. He's just going to be very, but the, the game, the movie made me fucking go back and like change some of my choices, which pissed me off. And I mean, if, if that's just the way I felt about it. And I felt like there, and when I watched it, there were certain things that, my, some of my choices didn't make sense With what was happening in the movie the, uh, Will Poulter's character pair, I, got, I got his uh, Girlfriend or fiance or wife or whatever Showing up at the end Of one of, my, uh, one of my stories Asking what happened to him And my story never showed us What happened to him And why they have to contact me To figure out what happened to him It made no sense It didn't work And so I just, there were certain scenes that I really loved. Oh, and another decision I made was like, anytime I can see Will Poulter in this, I love that actor. I want to see him and what he's up to and what he's doing. So, um, you know, I followed him instead of going into the, you know, to talk to the psychiatrist and all that stuff. And I didn't want to talk about my mother, but it made me go back. And then, (coughs) you know, I wanted to throw. Tea on the computer and then it ended for me and made me go back and change something else and I know the books do the same thing but it just really kind of like took away from my enjoyment of this and I think for me this is a huge failure and probably one of my least favorite episodes of Black Mirror ever um, I just did not really enjoy this uh, I did wanna the, did you guys get to the point where you had to enter in the f- correct phone number for the psychiatrist no yeah. there 's a there 's a and i couldn 't get i it 's not like I did this like terribly too much, but I tried to get back to that point but there's a point where you try to enter in her phone number and it gives you like the first five numbers, but you have to pick the last one. So like the last number is anywhere from zero through nine. And I chose six and it was the wrong selection. And I just got a, like a busy signal, but I always, now I'm curious as to like what the correct number was and what would have happened if you would have got to talk to her over the phone? Because like, that's something I did not go down. Did you guys get to the point where, It asks you, like, the psychiatrist is talking to you. She's like, do you want more action? Yes.
3: Yes, I did. That was hilarious. hilarious. That was my... Fuck yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I chose fuck yeah, because you could choose yes or fuck yeah, and I chose fuck yeah. That was my favorite part of this whole thing, because I really got a kick out of that. But I kind of rolled my eyes when it was, like, me talking to the character and trying to explain Netflix to him. I was just like, this is kind of stupid. I just didn't... I didn't have fun with this. It just didn't feel as interactive as I wanted it to. And Jake, I understand what you're saying is like, they can't film every fucking thing. And I get that. And that's why
3: the guiding hand felt too guiding. You're exactly.
1: And that's why they should not have done this. I think it was. Yeah. I just, just give me a great fucking movie with these two actors. You know, that's, all i really want get whitehead and will poulter give me a great fucking black mirror episode or a black mirror movie i just felt like this was not wetting my palate for season five at all
3: <laughs> yeah my, and my first experience with it was getting the ending where i put out the zero star game which actually makes the whole thing end pretty quickly did you guys get that one no
2: i yeah that was my first ending too i didn't uh uh-uh
3: yeah and i was like wow that was very disappointing and then i had to just rewatch a bunch of stuff to not get the zero star game so it was like i lost the game the first time it felt like and then was being punished for that so yeah the execution of just how it all worked was a little bit lackluster
1: question for you i know the answer is bandersnatch based on a real game
3: um, I don't know. Uh, Bandersnatch, I thought was a like a Lewis Carroll creation from the Alice in Wonderland mythos.
1: That's true. But is it based yep. on a real game?
3: I would say no.
2: Joe. Yeah, I have I have no idea. My my only like it, it's in like the Jabberwocky, right? That's that's my only experience with it. You're right. Uh, Bandersnatch.
1: Uh, this is from Radio Times. They ask, "Is Bandersnatch a real game?" Yes. Brooker seems to have been inspired by a computer game called Bandersnatch, uh, which was in development at a Liverpool-based studio uh, called Imagine before being retooled and repackaged under the name Bratticus by another studio called Psygnosis. Uh, Imagine was a video game startup that was founded in 1982, rising to prominence predominantly for its ability to hype up its products and mega games before folding in 1984 due to mounting debt. It appears that they promised a lot more than they were able to deliver, and Bandersnatch was one such promise that never came to fruition. It was one of their proposed mega-games, games games which were to push the boundaries of the gaming hardwire of the era. A documentary on the rise and fall of Imagine aired on the BBC and is on YouTube. And so I've gone ahead in our show notes, if you... uh, go to our website or on our yeah just go to our website popcultureleftovers.com you can see under this uh episode there's a poster i'm going to post a picture of the poster teasing bandersnatch from the company imagine and i've also provided the youtube link for that documentary and it's only about 25 30 minutes if you want to watch that but yeah this was based bandersnatch was originally it was based on a uh, it was a real game at one time and it turned into a game called bratticus
3: That's interesting how some of the real-life drama behind the game kind of mirrors some of the stuff that you see in the Black Mirror episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't work for me, man.
3: No, dude. I wanted it to work. Like, I... You already thought it was stupid. I thought it was fucking cool as hell, and then got disappointed.
1: That's, so. I just don't think it's a good way to watch movies, where you make the. I want, I want the director and I want the writer to make those decisions for me. That's why I go see movies. I don't want to make my own fucking movie. I'm not a, you know what I mean. I just, I just thought it was going to be a clusterfuck from the get
2: go. Yeah, I, thought <laughs> I can it, I totally thought, relate to that.
3: I thought one of the best moments, though, was. Um, it did feel really weird when you're uh, killing your father, when you, when you push a thing that says kill him and then you see it happen, it definitely felt very enabling. It felt very weird. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For me, I kept going through like the first time I watched it, I was like, I just want to select everything that's going to give this guy his best shot. Let's give this guy his best day ever. And it was like, like what you said, Jake right away. It was like, if you say yes to him taking that job, it ends right away and so then it takes you makes you go back or rewatch shit and go through again and
1: see i never said yes to the job i always said no <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: and it, it's really bizarre too cuz when you rewatch it you it's not you're not rewatching the exact same thing there's like cheeky little nods to the fact that you are rewatching it again yeah, which I found very bizarre. It's like, well, can't you show me a little bit more newer footage rather than show me ninety percent the same footage with a cheeky nod that I'm watching it again? Did you guys? It get, felt very cheap.
1: Did you guys get the scene where like uh, Will Poulter's character Colin asks you to take the psychedelic drug?
3: Yeah, no, I did not get that either. Oh wow! See, I, w- I would have said yes.
1: I said no, and <laughs> you know what he does? He ends up slipping it in your tea anyway.
3: Yeah, see, that's jerky. Oh. So you get the same shit either way you do it. Yeah.
2: That's, I said yes, and then I was like, well, you know what? Maybe this character isn't in the right headspace to be taking acid right now. Maybe I shouldn't have said yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. You're too late to be considerate now.
2: No shit,
1: right? <laughs> Speaking of drugs, I've got a random thought, and I want, I want you guys to let me know what you think. This is something I've been thinking about. Hold on. Hold on. Don't, okay, you, you know those commercials on TV for all, like, the pharmaceutical drugs that they're, you know, throwing at us all the time? You know, don't take this or that if you don't want to, like, you know, bleed from your ass. You know what I mean? Oh, that's but,
3: my favorite part, but the it, side effect warning.
1: Exactly, but it could, like, it, it could help your blood pressure. You know, talk to your doctor today, you know, and we'll send you out a, you know, a fucking packet, and you and your doctor can talk about it. You guys can sit down and talk about it and find out if this is right for you. Um those pharmaceutical drug names, don't they also sound like they could also be sci-fi character names or planets? Without a doubt. Hold on, hear me out. I want you to hear me out, and I've started writing a little bit of what I like to call pharmaceutical fan fiction. Okay, and I, I've, hold on. I've just. I, I'm not going to bore you with a whole fucking story, but I've got like the first paragraph, and, it, and I, I've titled the short story. It's called Lyrica's Journey. Lyrica is a pharmaceutical drug on one of these commercials, and this is called Lyrica's Journey. And yes, uh, Lyrica is a female. Uh, And like I said, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want to give you the first paragraph. So so it's just, trust me, it's shorter than one of our iTunes reviews, Jake. So don't worry. Don't freak out, okay? I got you. All right. This is is Lyrica talking. She's our main character. And she's a 15-year-old girl. And uh, also, I just want to give you a side note. Lyrica is a uh, preferred non-opioid option for both non-susceptive and neuropathic pain patients. Okay. All right. So here is Lyrica, the main character of my story, our protagonist. And she's setting up the world. Okay. This is her voice coming from me. All right. You guys ready?
3: Yeah, I'm ready. into this.
1: All right. This is uh, pharmaceutical fan fiction. In the, dystopian's wa- the, in, here we come. in the dystopian wastelands on the planet Humira, you can either do one of two things to survive. You can work in the Cialis mines and barely get by and possibly be eaten by an eloquis, or you can work for the crime boss, Prilosec OTC. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where my story gets interesting, because me... And my robot, Celebrex, decided to do neither. Does that work? Does it I work?
3: I like it. I mean, I love the robot name a lot too.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that's a perfect name for the ro- Celebrex.
3: <laughs> that sounds like a hilarious fucking robot.
1: You can totally take these pharmaceutical drug names, they sound totally science fiction. The planet Humira, the Cialis Mines. Don't want to get eaten by an eloquist and the crime <laughs> boss Prilosec OTC
2: <sniffs> celebrate turn that into like pharmaceutical like uh, Mad Libs or something like that.
1: Yeah, I just think, I I don't know it's a weird thing to talk about.
3: <laughs> it's awesome,
1: but I thought it. I thought it I, in my head. I thought it had a little bit of comedic humor, so I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. Fuck <laughs> it.
3: No, that's good. That makes me want to look for some uh some drug names for you. I'll be on the lookout. Exactly.
2: <laughs> have you seen the commercials for the one called Lincest? It's like mm-hmm. way too close to sounding like incest. <laughs> like like that should not have made it through a focus group.
1: Oh wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad.
2: Don't include eleven toes. <laughs> well, you don't want to
1: take that you don't want to take that one and watch Game of Thrones at the same time. <laughs> 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 Anyway. Hey, let's take a break and come back and do the Pop Culture Leftovers news.
3: Sounds good.
0: Cool. Listen, Groot. It's simple. If you want to help the Pop Culture Leftovers, go to Popcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing?
2: I am Groot.
0: Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am good. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am good. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. attention, the following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCL might be harmful to your health. I'm Eden Palm. You might know me as sturdy, but after years of listening to PCL, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first I didn't quite buy into it until <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness, and I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I uh, didn't sitting there watching me then it dawned on me I don't even have a wife it was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report it's gonna ride get your umbrella all in all the condition isn't that bad because I have the PCL ohana means family for more of my voices search me on social media Y-E-A-D-O-N Paul VO. All
1: right, hey we are back it is time now for the pop culture leftovers news
0: hey, yeah hey, yeah read all about it it's the leftover news and there's no doubt about it this news is gangster as fuck yo It's gangsta as fuck, yo.
1: Got one news story this week, and this news comes from Slash Film. Your name, U.S. Remake, will be through the lens of a Western viewpoint. Uh, So your name tells the story of a high... We talked about this before. This is going to be produced by J.J. Abrams, I believed. But uh, your name tells the story of a high school girl in rural Japan and a high school boy in in Tokyo who swapped bodies uh the big question around your name remake was whether it was gonna uh, as how closely uh, it would be to a Shinkai's sublime 2017 film or whether it would only take its basic premise and turn it into a distinctly American story according to Heiserer it's the latter which automatically makes This writer goes on to say Which automatically makes me suspicious Of how in danger this project is Of committing the cardinal sin Of whitewashing like so many animated Adaptations before it, Ghost in the Shell Dragon Ball, but the interesting thing Is the request came from the Japanese Rights holder of Your Name In an interview With Slash Films' Fred Topel For the release of Netflix's Bird Box, Heiser revealed that The Japanese rights holders to Your Name Requested that it the remake be made through the lens of a western viewpoint um maybe they made that request after netflix threw a fuck ton of money at them i don't know no netflix isn't (laughs) netflix isn't doing this one though i believe i believe this is a studio doing it i can't remember i think you're right yeah
3: it's like a yeah and i think jj abrams still is executive producing this thing
1: yeah oh yeah um i still toss this fucking news
3: Uh, yeah that's interesting that it comes at the discretion of the original writers i i mean i wonder why that is maybe they just don't want an exact remake i think
1: they threw i think they got a bunch of money they got their pockets lined with a bunch of money
3: (laughs) make it okay for us to whitewash this movie and say you want (laughs) us to do it and there's a million dollars
1: yeah they're just being proactive here you know instead of just saying ah we're gonna Westernize this one. Now they're saying, "Yeah, we've got the blessing. We've got the blessing of you know." I I, I think it takes away a, from a lot of that story. Your
2: name, Joe. Did you see this one? No, I, I never saw it. But I mean, this is a so this is a story where people like switch bodies, like yeah. a Freaky Friday, vice versa yes. type deal.
1: Yes, and it's okay. a oh, it's so good. I saw this one in the theater. And I I came out of it and I was just like this is great this is such a great movie it was a, a beautiful anime beautiful animation amazing story, um, and I was so happy to watch it and um, then when this news came out I, I immediately was kind of like whoa what are they uh, and that was one of the questions we asked are they going to Americanize this thing are they going to Westernize it and we're finding that's to be the case and and I think it's going to take away from a lot of. Uh, from the film to be quite honest with you i i i tossed this news and I, I, I it's one of those things where i feel like when they do this kind of thing it's like just watch the original the original stands on its own it's great um you know i i did, like i said i enjoyed bleach but that was made by you know a japanese production company and it and it felt very anime even though it was live action this is just going to be and i love jj J. abrams don't get me wrong I, I love the guy I think he's great but I'm just not looking forward to this I I'm I don't think it's gonna hit me the same way that the anime did
3: yeah that that makes sense man it's that's I think that's really hard to do we haven't seen it successfully done very much I'm trying to think of recently if it was done well ever at all but yeah it's just so much is lost in that live action translation there's so much of the kind of the magic and wonder of it all you know
1: yeah, I mean, if if it if it works, it works. That's great. But oh man, I don't I don't want to see this done. I wish that they would drop it. They're not going to. It was a successful anime. People did love it. It's highly regarded, and um, we'll see what we get. I mean, I don't know. I I don't like the fact that they're talking about doing a Western version of uh, Train to Busan. Which would be like, you know, train to San Francisco or whatever the fuck. I just, I'm not looking forward to it.
3: You didn't like it when they were going to do Western The Raid?
1: Yeah, when they were going to do that. Yeah, agreed. I
2: didn't like that either. Yeah, I don't see the point of people doing that. If they're like, well, the original had subtitles. Like, oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. Well, you can't read? (laughs) I mean, yeah, because the raid was great. I I would hate to see a remake of that. And and with yeah. this one, I haven't seen the source material, but it sounds like it's a a pretty good flick. And we've already seen westernized, you know, versions of this concept. Yeah. So yeah, it's it seems like it's kind of moving into dangerous territory. It's,
1: yeah, but they're being so <laughs> proactive here and saying that they have the blessing of the oh, the original, you know, rights holders and everything. So I. It's, Ugh, I, I don't know I guess they're trying to make it not feel so icky When you read the news But on the flip side it's just like I, I don't care if they do have their blessing It just doesn't seem right
3: Hmm yeah and i i wouldn't doubt it if they were you know they've seen all the bad press that's come from other like examples of this getting ahead of the curve is not yeah it's another where there's smoke there's fire kind of thing i could very much see it
1: yeah i i'll just let everybody know if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't watched your name seek it out you will even if you're not into anime this is not like you're not watching dragon ball z you're not watching fucking like you know mechs and all that shit this is it's a, it's a great personal story with a little bit of sci-fi in it and um you know this and a silent voice uh you know even the one I talked about a few weeks ago mirai i think these are these are gateway drugs to get into anime and uh what was the other one erased i believe it was called erased that's a series that you can watch i think it's on funimation or crunchyroll that's another one to watch I
3: yeah. oh, got the live action treatment itself
1: It did, I did not watch that either That was a Netflix thing But if you want to watch the anime It's so good Anyway, let's move on into So I tossed that news I I, <laughs> I don't know, I hope they do it justice But man, the more of this happening It's just, when, it, when a studio's gonna learn We'll see But I mean, it's got J.J. J. Abrams attached to it So Jake, I guess I'm hopeful He's not directing it, he's just producing it I believe I don't think a formal director's been attached to the project yet.
3: But. No, I could potentially see this as something he would direct maybe before he took on the Episode nine thing, but I, I, he'll probably find someone else at this point, right?
1: Yeah, I, unless it's Paramount doing it. I can't remember if it was Paramount or Universal or who's doing it. He still owes Paramount one movie. <laughs> yeah,
3: knock that Paramount movie out the, out the deal so he exactly, done with that. Huh?
1: Exactly. He owes them a movie. They're pissed about that because he was supposed to do one more movie for them. Um and he's like, No i 'll do Star Wars Episode Nine. They are still pissed about that, you know they are all right. oh yeah, I
3: and mean, he 's a big name, man, and he 's yeah. out there not making the movies they signed him for,
1: right all right let 's move into Marvel News. Marvel news. all right hey what the fuck was that noise is that my heater sorry
0: <laughs>
1: hey uh here's a weird random thought that i had earlier in the week you know uh, infinity war when uh, everybody started turning into ash i bet that urn sales went through the fucking roof right
3: <laughs> I never made that connection. Like, just all the dorks like to think it's going to happen for real.
1: Huh? What? What are you saying? <laughs> What are you talking about?
3: Oh, you mean like in the world. In the, the fucking world. world. In, no. no. In, the, in the fictional world.
0: Yes, Jake. What, what are you, what are you
1: going buddy? I thought you
3: were saying in the real world, people started buying urns. No. <laughs> they, why,
0: why would they do
2: that? Slap Spider-Man logo on it. Yeah. Putting
3: that it on makes, the shelf. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense.
1: <laughs> how how could I have set that up better so you understood it?
3: <laughs> it took me a moment. but I got it.
1: But uh, Hold on. Do I have a point?
3: Yeah. That's, I mean, whoever's the the urn manufacturers, they probably ran out, right? Supply and demand. They probably jacked the prices of those those things.
1: Two things. Two things. Prices got jacked up and they ran out. Number one, urns. Number two, dust pans. I guarantee you (laughs) tons of dust pans were sold after the decimation. (laughs)
3: i mean i don't know the urns i'm buying you but i've you can easily make a cheap go-to dustpan right you just grab a magazine
1: yeah you're doing that you're doing that with your your loved one your loved one is in the living room she just got out of the shower or something and you're just you're grabbing yesterday's news and sweeping her up jake I think she'd prefer
3: Time Magazine to a dustpan. I think that seems classier.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going dustpan all day. I'm dust. (laughs) If I'm dust, I want a dustpan. I don't want you using something else to pick me up. I don't want... You know what I mean?
3: Give me... I do.
1: Fucking... uh, uh, Newspaper. Time...
3: good housekeeping or something
1: good oh she loved vogue magazine so that's no <laughs> no you bu- you go out you, you you leave the scene and buy a nice good dustpan <laughs> <laughs> show
3: some goddamn respect <laughs>
1: hey, i another thing that i thought it was confirmed that 50% of all humanity, animals, everything were gone. They were taken in the decimation. I guarantee you, all commercials running ads for 50% off anything ended that day, too. <laughs>
3: Kind <laughs> of like, there is, like when the World Trade like, Center came down There's like this list of things you can't say Like <laughs> songs you can't play anymore
1: The day they found out that Jared Fogle from Subway Was diddling little boys His commercial was gone, right? Nobody cares <laughs> how much fucking weight he lost I don't want to see his fucking pants anymore His gigantic pants that he's holding up I lost, you know, 12 inches I don't give a fuck at that point and th- th- I think 50% off sales ended that day, too. Like, they were just like, oh, we can't do this. We cannot. fifty. 50- no, we- 40% off or 60% off or 55, but 50 just hits too close to fucking home.
2: <laughs> just say BOGO and people start crying. Buy one, get one free. They're like,
1: yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, we had twins. We don't anymore, do we, honey?
2: There's like a chink in um, Thanos's plan there If he took, care, took out all the animals also That's like a resource that people need to eat So now all of a sudden There's half the amount of people Half the amount of food if you're a meat eater mm-hmm. So how does that help anything?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, problems with, uh, <laughs> with his plan Like some people were saying Why didn't he just double the resources? And then, eh, now, we're, now we're just talking about overpopulation And, and uh, I don't know I don't know. (laughs)
2: Could have made all the planets bigger.
1: Yeah, make all the planets bigger.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. I like it.
2: Uh, uh, Oh, well. He, he He was a destroyer.
1: He's not a builder. Can you imagine, as the decimation is happening, you're having sex. And the next thing you know, you look down, and you have just climaxed into a bunch of dust because your partner is gone and now you have the shame of not only having to clean up your partner but also there's spooge all over the dust
3: (laughs) oh yeah that's definitely dustpan material
2: (laughs) reconstituted into like a little Mr. Bill or whatever um you're buying
1: a new mattress at that point, too, right? Or, sheet? you know, those sheets are getting thrown out. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Kevin Feige talked about the Fox Disney deal with the Playback podcast. And uh, he said... Uh, We've been told it's looking very, very good and could happen in the first six months of next year. The notion of the characters coming back is great. It's nice when a company that created all these characters can have access to all those characters. It's not unusual not to. But in terms of actually thinking about it and actually planning things, we haven't started that yet. So, yeah. Uh, Could happen at the beginning of next year within the first six months.
3: Do you really believe that he hasn't thought, thought about it? Uh, like,
1: he's thought about
3: it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, and I think they will probably make it happen as soon as possible. Right? They're not going to sit on this for very long. I think we will see effects of this by by next year. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just don't know if I buy. Like everybody's talking about, like, oh, you know, somebody's going to show up at the end of uh, Avengers four. You know, Wolverine. Wolverine's going to show up. I don't. I don't. I, they have to cast an actor. And, uh, I mean, if we did see anything from any of these characters in Avengers 4, we're not going to see an actor. We're going to see, like, you know, we'll see a fucking wheelchair, and that'll be, oh, Professor X. Or, like, we'll see some claws pop out, but we're not going to see the actor. They haven't done any casting.
3: Yeah, I agree. They're not going to be able to sneak that one by us. It'll be nigh impossible. Yeah.
1: All right. End game rumor slash speculation here from comicbook.com. Nothing is confirmed, but these could be possible spoilers. Um, Recently, a mysterious Instagram account uploaded two pictures of a Lego minifig of the Incredible Hulk, which showed the gamma-infused hero grinning from ear to ear. So, it's a Lego minifig of the Hulk smiling. Have you guys seen this picture? Mm -mm. okay the article goes on to say instagram user at the real batman 103 shared two images of a new hulk minifig which is definitely different than any of the minifigs released of the character before typically the hulk is seen with an angry look on his face while this new minifig clearly shows the 20 ton hero smiling should hulk take on a more human persona It'd fall in line with prevailing fan theories which state we'll get some sort of the hyper-intelligent Professor Hulk character in Endgame. After all, the character ended up learning how to speak pretty well in the years between Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Thor Ragnarok. So should Endgame feature a time jump, it's reasonable enough to believe the big guy starts to take on some of Bruce Banner's intelligence. If this minifig leak proves accurate, it wouldn't be the first toy to leak to reveal details about the upcoming Marvel Studios blockbuster. Earlier this year, the action-figured line leaks revealed that purple Iron Man-like armor that would make an appearance in Avengers and uh, Endgame, hinting that Pepper Potts would finally take on a rescue mantle from the Marvel Comics mythos. So some people are uh, basically saying that, yeah, we're going to get uh, Professor Hulk. We're going to get a smart Hulk in this one based on this fucking minifig. Um I don't know. Jury's out on that one for me.
3: Yeah, I'm not buying the evidence, but that would be cool.
1: hmm
3: Like, that's something that I think a lot of fans have always loved is kind yeah. of not necessarily the Mr. Fix-It version, but, you know, the more intelligent Hulk is something I think people have always wanted to see. I didn't
1: mind Mr. Fix-It.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Fix-It's okay.
1: Yeah. I, I don't hate it either. I don't hate it either. Uh, I still have some of those issues laying around <laughs> and they're always fun to look at, but yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to count it out though, Jake. I think it, it sounds like it could be the natural progression of like what we've seen between those two in the MCU.
2: Yeah. It just seems like I, such a jump from where we last saw those two characters between Bruce and the Hulk.
1: Yeah, but if they come to some kind of understanding and then they kind of, you know, they've been at odds with each other. And if they come to some sort of understanding, maybe that'll bring this out of the Hulk. I don't, we'll see.
2: Yeah, I'd love to see it happen. And, yeah. and if they can come up with a real organic way to get it there, that would be super cool. I mean, because obviously we're going to see the Hulk in the endgame. And so we got to figure out some sort of way you know the the Bruce and the Hulk are going to rectify their situation.
1: Yeah. Did you guys see the pictures that I posted today on Facebook? Uh MCU Cosmic is showing is saying that the pictures are real and uh it's uh promotional stuff for uh Endgame. And of course it was like, you know, the Ronan artwork that had been out for a couple weeks now, but they had a new picture of Thanos and he's not got the gauntlet on the left hand. But he's holding, oh with the sword. He's holding a sword. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So he's back in his battle armor and he's holding a sword, and that's official. I MCU Cosmic is saying is it official? It's official, and MCU Cosmic is pretty reliable. So
3: hmm, that's interesting. Do you theorize that that would be kind of into the movie stuff?
1: Yeah, like he's not got the gauntlet, but he's still going to fucking battle, right?
3: Yeah, that's that's kind of where my head was at with it.
1: Yeah, and a rematch between him and the Hulk pretty seems kind of imminent, right? Maybe that's why the Hulk is smiling.
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people were pointing out that, like, in that first fight, that and they are right. If you watch it, you know, like I think I even brought up on our podcast, like when we did Avengers: Infinity War, I was like, oh yeah, Thanos has the Power Stone at this point. If you watch the movie. When he uses a stone, that stone glows. Throughout that fucking fight, he never uses the power stone. Not once. That's just Thanos
2: kicking Hulk's ass. Wow. Yeah, I never noticed that.
3: Yeah. But Yeah, he just he just outmaneuvers him basically. Yeah.
1: I mean he's a better fighter. Like Hulk is just like brawn, right? Mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. brute force, Hulk smash. But fucking Thanos is just as strong And powerful But he's just a skilled warrior And they, like that's He's just fucking toying with the Hulk Yeah I'll let you think He got a few punches in here dude And then it's all about fucking Just fucking the Hulk up after that So we'll see Adam K uh, Was on the Happy Sad Confused podcast And he revealed that he'd been approached By Marvel to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Um, doesn't look like he's going to do it. He didn't say if he said yes or no, he might be kicking it around, but there's no formal announcement, but that's not the big story here. He also revealed this quote, I think they're kicking a Nova idea around. That's all he said. And I know it's not a lot, but it's something that they are thinking about. That's kind of huge, Jake, that they're,
3: oh man. Yeah. We we kind of saw this coming, right? With the cosmic being expanded, it's the most natural place to go, it feels like is that Nova movie, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well, hell, like I we were thinking this f- when we first watched them uh the Xandarians and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 when they in- introduced the Nova core. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And especially after Thanos goes in there and and destroys Xandar, I was thinking this leads up to, like, maybe, like, the story of the final Nova, you know, member. Um, You know, could it be that, you know, are we going to get... Do you want Richard Rider or Sam Alexander
3: if they do this? I kind of want Richard Rider, honestly.
1: I want Sam. I, I like them I, I both, want, though. I want Sam. I want Sam. I think it's... I want Sam. I love that character. I love that run that Jeff Loeb did. Um, I... I I want a Young Avengers film and I I want them to kick it off kind of like I mean we've got Spider-Man, we've got a young finally a young Spider-Man, Tom Holland, a guy around that age. We've got Shuri and if you could introduce Sam Alexander, we could get a Young Avengers movie. And I d- I love that story of, you know, his father was a Nova Centurion and and, uh, you know, Rocket and Gamora show up to his home and reveal that his father was in the Nova Corps and they, they, um, give him the helmet. And then this kid just goes on this crazy adventure and meets, you know, Uatu the Watcher and, and, um, you know, gets a little bit of, a training from Rocket and Gamora along the way. And I, I thought that that was just a fun story. I, that's... I mean, maybe they'll do something where it's like Richard Ryder passes it down to Sam Alexander or maybe they won't do anything with Sam. Maybe it'll all be Richard Ryder. But, you know, I, you know, and then just the fact that, you know, Jeff Loeb named that character after his son who died. You know, Jeff Loeb's son um, battled bone cancer for three years and then died at the age of 17. And Jeff Loeb creates this character. Um, names it after his son and I just I I, I, that's
3: really coolly personal there
1: yeah I just that's I just with all these characters being like with the fact that we've got such um, young actors playing you know Shuri and 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 uh, Peter Parker right now I think it's a perfect time to bring in another teen to introduce into the Avengers and and um i want to see like them all play off a- another because like mark wade did a a run on like the young avengers or and it was a lot of fun it was like mi- and the are doing ms marvel he did like he had like he had uh peter parker he had um no he had miles no excuse me he had miles morales sam alexander he had ms marvel and a couple other young characters. Not Shuri, but he had a couple another uh, a couple other young characters and they were all like young avengers and they were going around on adventures and it was a lot of fun and I want to see them kind of do that in the MCU.
3: That's yeah, you've just- kind of talked me into it. The idea of introducing another younger character is is, you know, very alluring. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit tit for tat. I'm just I grew up with Rich Ryder, so I kind of want to see him represented first, but I'm not dying on any kind of hill sure. if they decide to go with Sam. I love that series, too.
1: Yeah. And then, like, we know that we're going to get a Ms. Marvel eventually. And, like, it was so much fun in that fucking run of the comic books because, like, Nova really wanted to impress Ms. Marvel. <laughs> And you know, we got his like inner dialogue as he's like doing stuff. He's like, "Oh, did that look cool?" And like, you know, he's like, "It, it was just a lot of fun." And I, I, I really want to see like that stuff played out on screen. So I don't know, yeah. But just the just the fact, Jake, that we might get a Nova movie is exciting enough.
3: Yeah. I I can't wait to see that. I hope they get like a real good visionary director for that. I'm trying kind of scratching my head trying to think of who they would get for something like that.
1: Oh but, god, I do not want Adam McKay doing a Guardians movie though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no. No, thank you. I mean, I know he does comedy, but his his type of comedy does not even line up with what James Gunn You know who I think would do good with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Jake? Yeah, Tim Miller, who directed the first Deadpool movie.
3: I don't think that's a terrible choice, Um, especially since he did that with a script he didn't write. I think that's a really good choice, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I would be fine with that.
1: Yeah, that hit me like a few days ago. I was like driving around, and I was, you know, this is after like I read the story of Adam McKay, and I was just like. I do not want a fucking Adam I don't honestly I don't want Adam McKay doing anything in the MCU unless it's like an Ant-Man movie. I might watch that. But I just don't think his humor really lines up with like what they're doing in the MCU. That's just me though. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I can see what you're saying though. It's kind of I'm trying to find find the word for for his kind of humor. Like it's just it's not very MCU at all, not even just Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, it's yeah, uh, it's very. It's that subtles the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah.
2: What are some movies that that guy's done?
1: I uh, did the Big Short. Um, he did the Vice movie that I talked about. He did a bunch of uh, comedies. Like what are the? Com- I, I always like confuse Adam McKay's comedies with like with like the Fairly Brothers and Judd Apatow.
2: Okay, yeah, then then those are pretty out there in terms of. Okay, yeah, I just wasn't familiar with that director, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, he me... did
3: Step Brothers, just Anchorman, Talladega right. Knights. That's okay. It.
2: Yeah, those are you know those are funny movies, but they're yeah they're just way goofier than any of the Guardian stuff. So I see where you're coming from with that.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was yeah he was the writer for Ant Man, so it makes sense why I would fucking say that I'd want to see him do an Ant Man <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah, he did the other guys. Yeah. Oh, he, he was, <clears throat> never
3: saw that. Yeah. I
1: don't know. All right. Possible spoilers here for Captain Marvel. So if you don't want to hear them, this is your official spoiler warning. I'll play that now.
0: This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your hole. You have been
2: warned, spoiler pussies.
1: <laughs> Alright, this comes from screen rant. Jake, we might know who Ju Law is playing now. Did you see this news this week? I did see this. Yeah.
2: Joe, did you see this news? No, I haven't seen it.
1: Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Alright, according to uh the official Disney website Law will be playing the popular character Marvel in the upcoming entry of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on the Captain Marvel portion of their website. the second trailer for Captain Marvel, a synopsis and eight images can be seen which which confirm who is playing who in the movie. The images come with captions that list the actors and their roles in the movie, and the second image says "Jude Law as Marvel, the leader of Star Force. Disney has since removed the name Marvell from Jude Law's character description. Somebody got fired.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah. They were they were doing a really good job, but we all very much suspected that this was gonna be the case. But they were being very tight-lipped about this. I agree. Someone definitely got fucking candier.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was still thinking he could be Yon Rog. I was still thinking that they could do a gender swap for Marvell, so I mean, it was enough to kind of keep me off the scent. So, yeah, um, this feels like it is official, uh, and the fact that they removed it adds to that speculation. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like Jude Law is going to be playing Marvel in the Captain Marvel movie.
3: Yeah, there you go. It, it'll be interesting to see. We we've kind of thought that maybe he might be kind of villainous in the movie do you think that'll be marvel will be portrayed that way i do think so yes it does seem like that is a very strong possibility that's kind of cool
1: yeah uh dc news that's all i got for marvel this week but uh dc news i'm not even gonna play the bumper fuck it um the only thing i did for dc news is i finished titans this week joe did you finish it
2: Yes. Yeah, I absolutely loved this whole first season. I, I liked um, – I didn't expect Let's the finale. Let's sp- not – I don't want to spoil
1: anything from the finale because, like, we have a lot of international okay, – li- Yeah, a, a, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, we have a lot of international listeners, and that's going to – Titans is going to drop for them on January 11th, and they'll be able to watch it all on Netflix. So I, I you know, post sometime late January, I mean I, – if I want to talk Titans, we can do that. But like, yeah, I just don't want us to spoil it. Cause
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I wasn't going to say anything too spoilery, but yeah, I'll, I'll just, yeah, <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave it at, I absolutely loved this whole season of Titans. I, I really liked the season premiere and I would say, or the season finale. And I would say that if you're one of the people that have been holding out, just waiting t- for Titans to wrap up so you can just binge the whole thing. Um, this series is definitely really good for binging and I would say now's the time to just drop that seven bucks jump on there get it and then I, I'll be surprised if if you don't stick around to see what else this streaming platform is going to do because Titans was that good
1: yeah well I mean you're going to be able to watch Young Justice Outsiders like in a week and dude that's next week huh yeah I think so I think it is next week. I could be. It's in. Just, Jan, it's in January. That's good time. Another new stuff. show.
2: Like I can't wait to see what they're going to do. A swamp thing. I, I uh, uh, Doom Patrol. I really yeah. want to see a Hawk and Dove series spin out of that. Wow, it's just, they're doing really good stuff with dude. I fucking, with comic book adaptations right now.
1: Yeah, I binged the last four episodes of Titans this week, and fucking incredible fucking incredible season. I am blown away by this show. It is spectacular. It is so good and um love Hawk and Dove, uh, you know, I've fallen in love with like all these characters I really have throughout this whole season and the actors that are portraying them. They've done such a great job. I am. That final episode was so well done, in my opinion. I really enjoyed it. So, God damn it, Yeah. Get on Titans, people. Like, uh, international uh, listeners, like, when you get this on January 11th, like, don't sit on it. Just binge it. Just watch it. You're going to have a great time. You're absolutely going to love it. It's weird, though. The poster came out said Netflix original. It's like, what kind of deal did they work out with Netflix to where they're calling it a Netflix original? <laughs> it's the original.
3: exact opposite of that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's what it says on the poster. It's so. Oh bizarre. no! Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I I don't. Netflix is so weird when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, did they request that they have it put a, a, as a Netflix? I don't understand because Netflix didn't like pay for the production at all. Any production costs as far as I know, did they did they work out like an annihilation deal? Like where annihilation was like. You know, like they released it here in the states and Japan, but like everywhere else, everybody got to watch it on Netflix. Fucking weird. I, I don't.
3: I just, <laughs> it's originally not from Netflix, but somehow yet it's it, a Netflix original. That is so bizarre.
1: It is weird. I don't know, and it, it's literally right there on the poster. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was just like, okay, weird.
3: <laughs> Yeah, I guess they can say that. I mean, it's it's so obvious that it's not, too. I know, you know, in another country, they don't have the D.C. service, but yeah. they're, I'm sure they're well aware they don't have it and upset about it. Yeah. So they know this. <laughs> You're not hiding this from anybody, that this is coming from D.C.
1: I just feel Bizarre. bad that some people have to wait this long to watch it.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised D.C. just didn't go global right away. It seems... Very
1: I strange. Uh I understand. I uh, you know like fucking Hulu's not global yet, Jake. You know? It's like Netflix recently just like not recently. Netflix has been doing it for a while, but like they've been very successful, but like Hulu's not global. Um
3: Hulu's like a little bit of a different beast, though, right? Cuz it's so much like American television shows where this just seems so accessible everywhere.
1: Yeah, but if it fails if if it fails, it fails over there. And I feel like Maybe they thought that they wanted to just kind of like work out a deal with Netflix, wet people's palates so that they get to see it on Netflix first before they actually introduce the service over there. But with them calling this a Netflix original, it doesn't make me feel like they have any like intention of releasing DC universe over there It feels like all these series are just Going to drop on Netflix
3: Yeah it does feel that way At least for the foreseeable future Hmm.
2: That's a weird business choice too Because I mean you're just inviting piracy In the day and age of the internet Where these people that live You know over in the UK And stuff they hear us raving about These different shows and then they have to sit And wait forever for them I mean, if they have it at their disposal to find it through other means and then watch it illegally, why not, you know? And so it's just weird to me that they're going to do it that way. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand the deal, and we don't have any – it's not like they've released any details about, like, the deal that they worked out with Netflix for this. So – uh, let's move on into uh, Star Wars Yeah but I Tupperware the fuck out of Titans And Joe you do too It was just what an amazing Fucking show like that's How you launch your first Series on a new streaming service Like cause if that show wasn't Good I would have lost co- I would have lost confidence in the whole service To be quite honest with you
2: Yeah absolutely So
1: alright Star Wars news my
0: God! What is this saying? You were supposed to be here with me,
3: listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's
0: not true. That's impossible.
1: Uh, news here from MetaFlix. Uh, according to an upcoming issue of Empire Magazine, John Boyega has confirmed that the events of the yet-to-be-named Star Wars episode nine will take place approximately one year from the conclusion of The Last Jedi. One year.
3: Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that we're going to have a time jump this time. Um, You know, it's good for a lot of things. It, you know, it sets this, you know, it makes us have suspense at where everyone is now, and it opens up a big window for, you know, extra stuff. Comic books, novels, video games. That stuff's always kind of fun when you have these time jumps, too.
1: I'm not complaining, but personally, I thought it was going to be a bigger time jump.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: Right. I mean, it just—I did. I, I i mean, I felt like the next time we were going to come into this world, that maybe, like you know, we might have—you know—they teased that little, you know, broom boy. You know. <laughs> yeah, broom boy. You know, I—you <laughs> know—they teased broom, I didn't think we we're going to get broom boy again. I'm just saying they teased in this world that other people can now, you know, be force users. That it's kind of like open to everybody um and i just felt like you know and they were so decimated by the end of this you know there's only a few of them left there by the end of the movie i just thought like we were going to do i would have thought we were going to do a 5 year time jump and the reason that i thought we were going to do a 5 year time jump is to kind of get us closer to the actual age of daisy ridley now I, maybe some people think that that doesn't make sense but like when we were first introduced to her in these movies i think she was like 19 1920 when she was first acting in these films And then, you know, a couple years goes by now, but now we're looking at her, she's like 25, 26. And so I thought they were going to kind of like do a five-year time jump and like age her up a little bit. They don't have to. It's not like she can't look like she's like, you know, at this point in time, she'd be like 20, 21 or whatever in the movies. But I just thought that they were going to do like a five-year time jump
2: personally. But yeah. How how big of time jumps did we see in the original trilogy? Mm. they're never exactly
3: clear, are they? I guess they are by now. Yeah, we'd it's have to a couple years.
2: Yeah, two they to
1: th- gotta be in the neighborhood of like one or two years. But- two to, yeah, two to three years is what I would imagine. I uh, there are charts out there where, you know, it's like you've got like the the charts where it's like before the Battle of Yavin and the charts where it's you <laughs> know after the Battle of Yavin. And, and like apparently Star Wars episode nine is gonna take place in thirty five you know, battle after a Yavin, so so we, uh, so that was the Force Awakens. Last Jedi were in thirty four, so this is a year removed from those. I but the time jumps as far as like the original trilogy and the prequels, I I couldn't tell you, but there were definitely bigger time jumps in the prequels because you know, you know, look at the age of like young Anakin to like you know you know Hayden Christensen and Anakin, so
2: yeah. Yeah, I really thought there was going to be a much larger time jump in this, too, just to try and fill out the cast a little bit more. Because like you were saying, they are really decimated by the end of Last Jedi.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, a year gives them enough time, like Jake said, to like, you know, fill in the gaps and write some stories and shit. But yeah, I I was a little surprised when they said it was only going to be a year. I'm not going to lie. I I, I was a little surprised. I thought we were going to do at least a five-year jump.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that would have been super interesting. I would have kind of liked that. Yeah. Yeah. You could have uh, characters like missing arms and eyes and stuff and be uh-huh. like, huh? Oh, okay.
1: Oh, fuck. Pose a pirate. What the fuck?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> St- uh, making Star Wars learn that IG 88 is going to be in The Mandalorian. And then it was confirmed, I believe, by Jon Favreau days later. Um, But uh, making Star Wars before the confirmation, they said that they had seen the robot on set. Um, So, yeah, we're going to get and we could possibly get more bounty hunters that we've seen in the uh, Star Wars films, Jake, in the Mandalorian.
3: (laughs) I fucking love IG-88.
1: Yeah, IG-88 is just a cool design.
3: Yeah, so more IG-88. That's I've been wanting that forever. Even the like, little side story that we got back when I was a teenager in the uh, anthology book was fucking awesome. So I'm excited for this news. The fact that they say he's in it makes me think it's going to be more than just like a one-scene cameo, too, right?
1: You would think. Yeah, I would hope so. But we don't We don't necessarily know. We don't, I, It's like some of these actors that they've cast, it's like we don't know. And characters, we don't know how much we're going to see of them. This next one, they, making Star Wars, has learned Nick Nolte's role. And they go on to say there's been a lot of speculation about what Nick Nolte's role in Star Wars The Mandalorian will be. Making Star Wars informants have provided information. I've been able to corroborate with various other sources. And I think we have a pretty clear picture of what exactly what Nolte is playing in the process that has played allowed him to play it. Several sources are saying Nick Nolte is playing an Ugnat. And uh, an Ugnat is one of those uh, little pig dudes that we met in Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back on Cloud City. So, not it works the. Works with
3: like Lando. You yes, see him in the cooling chambers.
1: Right. Not the Gamorrean guards, the green ones. From like the warthog-looking ones from Return of the Jedi, but the the ugnots, which are like the they kind of look like a pink pig. Um, Nolte's character will not be digital. I'm surprised by that. That Nick Nolte is actually going to be performing the role. It's crazy. This is great. this is weird. They go. It doesn't appear Nolte is performing the role on set either. Instead, a new practical animatronic mask has been developed that works on voice command. So the mask, which is being worn by a small woman, matches Nolte's infliction perfectly. This is weird. Yeah. That is totally weird. The That's ma- bizarre. They go on to say the mask's mouth movement is said to be phenomenal. Mickey Star Wars sources also have said the mask was developed by Stan Winston's shop of experts. Um, so it's like, okay, when the news first dropped, I was thinking, okay the character's going to be digital because there's no way they're going to get Nol- Nick Nolte on set tr- in makeup for hours. He's that's that's fucking Nick Nolte. It's not like he's going to be like, yeah, sure. Can't wait to be thrown into like makeup and look like a, look like a, like an alien. I thought if Nick Nolte's going to show up on set, he's going to set, he's going to show up as Nick Nolte. And if he's not Nick Nolte, he's going to be kind of like what they did with, Maybe Ankar Plutz character, maybe, where he's got like some sort of a suit on, but like the face has been like, um, you know, like the face is uh, CGI. This is like a work around both. He's not going to be on set. The character won't be digital. It's going to be a mask that works on voice command. And it's going to match his infliction, uh, inflection perfectly, which is insane.
3: It's like an animo-gy. It's
2: It's wild. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I, I never would have imagined that tech like that would even exist. Yeah, like what the fuck? I want to <laughs> see. See, this
1: is like, I hope that Disney Plus is different than Netflix as far as bonus content. And I hope they come out with bonus content for The Mandalorian. Like, I want to see, like, the making of The Mandalorian.
3: Commentaries would be brilliant.
1: Well, yeah. That's something that Netflix typically doesn't do. Like, you know, I don't know. There might be some commentary tracks in Netflix, but majority of their stuff is not. And, like, that's what Disney Plus could do here, which would be huge. And Star Wars fans beg for that kind of shit. But do you think that... I honestly feel like Disney Plus will not include that stuff, but they will have Blu-ray and DVD releases where you might be able to watch it.
3: Mm -hmm. I don't want to double dip, though. I just want to watch the service. I don't Uh, want to double dip either, but I'm saying Disney might. Yeah, Uh, that would be a shame. I hope hope you're right, and I think that would be an excellent way to set themselves apart from the other streaming services by having just extensive bonus features. as per- It doesn't have to come out the same day as the feature. Maybe give it a one-week, two-week breathing space even, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can, like, breathe new life into that thing again by saying, now we have all these extra features, you know?
1: Are they dropping this stuff all at once, like Netflix, or are they doing it week-to-week, kind of like what DC Universe and sometimes Hulu does?
3: My gut says week-to-week because week they want to drag out the Star Wars Fandom as long as possible Hmm.
1: Yeah if they did it that way Like on the last week for the finale Like they could also just drop like the behind the scenes shit too Cause like I want to see I do want to Like now I do want to see how this mask works That's kind of Incredible man
3: Yeah that's wild technology The stuff they could do like It does remind me of the Animojis you know That Apple's doing Yeah so that that's bizarre that they would just wow! I, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> it's like either that or do it dwarf style, right? Get Nick Nolte on his knees. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, fucking dwarf!
2: <laughs> I can't. Believe- it makes the most sense to me that the, that they would release this week to week. But I mean, it, it's Disney, so if they're going for the money, then I could see them putting it out, you know, as like a tangible media as well and that's where you'd get those special features but so many people just stick to digital content these days and it's so easy to just have that be like an episode option at the end of the list once all the episodes have been dropped that I really hope they do make that sort of stuff available on the platform
1: yeah yeah I agree yeah it's one of those things like are they going to release this stuff week to week or they just going to drop it all at once like do a Netflix uh, a Netflix dump and it's like it's worked
2: for Netflix. It has, yeah. Just depending on the plot and, and how they presented it, everything. There's just certain shows that it really does work better to to have that week of anticipation. There's both. And,
1: you can you can argue both cases for different shows too. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I felt like the Daredevil model, the way Daredevil did it, was perfect. Just to watch back to back to back to back to back it daredevil is just perfect for binging, but there are shows like, you know, and I I think Jake would agree with me here. There are shows like Westworld and lost that I think that you need that week. You need, you need that
3: leftovers was the same way.
1: Yeah. Leftovers, you know, You, you need that week to kind of like, think about like what happened. Um, and, uh, you know, the, we're not seeing that water cooler discussion anymore of like people talking about like what's going to happen in the next week of lost or what's going to happen on the next week of breaking bad or the next week of the leftovers. You know, we're not getting that with Netflix because it's all right there. If we're talking about anything, we're talking about like what's going to happen next season with stranger things season three. You know what I mean? I think that there's benefits to both because for me, I feel like with Daredevil, it was like I could just finish the whole thing and I didn't need every episode to leave me on like a major cliffhanger. And I'm not saying all shows do this, but there are a lot of shows that leave you on like that major cliffhanger. Walking Dead is notorious for this. They leave you on a cliffhanger wanting you to like come back the next week. And like with Daredevil, yes, there were cliffhangers to get you to watch the next episode, but they weren't like, as prominent and as huge as you know, other things that I've seen like on network television or on cable TV, because you could just li- you could just watch the next episode. It didn't matter where it ended. You could just watch the next episode. They've got you, like the literally like when the episode fucking ends, it tells you how many seconds till the next fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it you know it, it it also can like with certain shows like it can enhance the storytelling because you don't have to have like those crazy cliffhangers to get your attention to get you to come back the next week.
2: Yeah, like it, with Titans, I didn't think that that necessarily needed to be week to week. It, that was more just agony waiting yes. for the next one just cuz I wanted it so much, but like Yeah. with um the way that they released the first season of Runaways on Hulu. Yeah. It was great to speculate yes. for an entire week. yeah And now with the way they just dropped all of season 2, I I haven't started watching it yet, but when I do, I'm going to try and stick to watching it week to week. That's what Rebecca and I are doing. We're back for Runaways TV talk.
1: We recorded our first episode. It is up now and we are just going to watch it week to week. We're not going to jump ahead because we like the speculation and we liked how we did the show last time. I didn't want to get back on here, uh, get back on Runaways TV talk and just like watch, you know, like a four episode dump and then <laughs> just talk about those four episodes, watch another four episodes, come back, we we'll talk about those four episodes And like, you know, that's, that's just me. I mean, some people will love to watch it that way. And it kind of hurt our podcast in that way, because like, I'm sure we've lost a lot of listeners because they've, they've already finished the season, you know, and (laughs) I've literally just watched the first episode. I plan on watching the second one here shortly, but yeah, I love that week to week wait on the runaways, but. Titans, I agree with you. Totally bingeable, man. Like, if it was, yeah, because like I would go right now and watch like Titans, like episodes one through 11, and watch them and, and I would enjoy them just as much. It just depends on the show and how they present the show.
2: Absolutely. If it's something that, that just by the very nature of the material and the way they're presented, presenting it, yeah, it's just, you know, the speculation is there. Like, you want to speculate on what's going on, but you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's very material dependent, dude. But
1: I fucking I missed out on the whole Breaking Bad thing, man. It's like you know because that was like a huge thing. I once I started Breaking Bad, like the whole series was already finished, you know. And that's my fault. But I, I binged it within like two three weeks. I watched the whole fucking thing, but I I didn't get any of those talks with everybody. You know, I I, I had a buddy that I worked with and he was like, hey, are you watching Breaking Bad? He watched it from like, you know, like the first night it fucking aired and he was telling me to get on it and I wasn't watching it. And so like, I could have had all these conversations with him week to week and I missed out on that because I didn't jump on the show and I'm jumping in and I'm doing the same thing with Better Call Saul. Like everybody's like, why the fuck are you watching Better Call Saul? And, uh, you know, I'll eventually, I'll get around to it, but, um, there, there is something to be said about – and it's hard to have those water cooler conversations anymore because now with n- – not only are we in this weird kind of like fucking place where there's still, you know, cable TV and network television, but now we've got the streaming services. Nobody's watching the same fucking thing anymore everybody's yeah, that, watching whatever that is the, the problem it is the problem it's not like it's 19 fucking 74 and everybody's watching you know the, the the three networks and so it's you know jake when we were kids man it was like we all fucking went to school and then came home and watched tv and the next day everybody at school's talking about last night's episode of alf
3: everybody yeah, exactly who Sam leapt into this week? Who Sam leapt into this week?
1: What are Sam and Diane doing on Cheers? Everybody was talking about that. It's not like that anymore. It's about it's people telling other people about shows that they haven't even seen. And fuck, like some people haven't even started Breaking Bad. Some people have never watched The Wire. Some people have never watched the Leftovers. And they're just finding out about this shit. They never even heard of it. That's just where we are right now it's fucking good cr- yes. I, I haven't started killing Eve it's killing Eve is on fucking Hulu everybody's raving about killing Eve I know it's supposed to be good have I fucking started it yet no I haven't why because I'm I'm trying to keep up with shows like Deadly Class and Titans and Daredevil season three it's like another thing it it feels like God damn it Jake it feels like TV's a goddamn chore.
3: yeah i know i hate when it gets like that like it gets to the point where something really has to fucking capture my attention for you to want to stick with it because there's just so many options
1: yeah i don't want to like associate a show with like taking the trash out to the curb you know what i mean like it's a chore or you know and it shouldn't be (laughs) that way because like people will tell me like oh this is a great show you need to check that out But on the flip side, it's like, yeah, I do a pop culture podcast. I'm trying to keep up with all the new stuff that's coming out week to week. And then to add a show that's like Sons of Anarchy that I've never seen and try to add a show that's got like five, six, seven seasons onto the, you know, rotation of all the new stuff that I'm watching. Are you kidding me? It's hard. Like the only reason I was able to watch Breaking Bad is because I I, I didn't have anything going on at that time. You know, I was either I I was like on vacation for a week or something, you know, and uh, fuck when I was uh, when I was uh, when I was out of work because of my Achilles tendon injury, you know, that's the only that's the only fucking way that I got through watching like the whole series watch of uh, Cheers. There's no way I could do that now.
3: Yeah, it's hard. It's almost easier to just watch something you've already seen before because you know if you miss, if you don't get back to it for a month or two, it's not like you're going to forget, you know? Remember
1: when we were talking about Nick Nolte? Do you remember that? Oh, he's going to be a
3: fucking Ugnath. He's going to be
1: so a weird. fucking Ugnath pig man. <laughs> remember when we were talking about that?
3: How the that fuck? Would did- have been, that would have been like my 200th <laughs> guess.
1: Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. If you would have given me, like, if you would have told me if there was a limit on my guesses and, like, if I didn't get it right on the last one and you're going to put a bullet in my brain, I'd be dead right now, Jake.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> I would
3: be dead. I would have said every character but. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even thought of Ugnats until this announcement.
1: Are we ever going to see Ewoks again in the Star Wars
3: universe? Uh, 100% yes. Are we going to be alive, Jake? Yeah, they're going to pull the Ewok nostalgia trigger while we're alive.
2: Joe, we we going to see Ewoks again? Yeah, it seems like we're going to. I mean, especially with it going into the streaming platform and they're going to have some content on there for kids, probably. And that's one of those things that really captures the imagination of kids. I mean, the Ewoks sure got a hell of a lot more personality than Porgs. Got
1: an idea for a product to put on the market guys just thought of it right now chinese cooking utensil the wok you look inside and you're looking at wicket it's an ewok
3: come on guys (laughs) sounds like a michael cannon mashup
1: fucking a let's make it happen i'm cooking up some fucking like beef and broccoli in my ewok
3: Oh, yeah. Singing fucking nub nub the whole time.
1: Fucking orange chicken going on in the E right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, in. yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Guess what? General Sal approves of my E Walk. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want, and you can look in there and you're looking at Wicket. You're looking at fucking, uh, what's it, a gray, was it, graybeard? Is it gray? Gray worm? That's that's Game of Thrones. <laughs> What's his name? Gray something?
3: Yeah, I can't remember.
1: I thought uh, the leader. You know, the leader with the necklace made of like teeth and shit. Isn't it just gray? Is it gray? Is it? Oh my! Fifty Shades of Ewok? Is that? Oh my! Can you see, can you imagine Ewoks doing S and M? i can now bdsm oh my yeah they were tying up fucking c-3po and uh mark hamill and all them i could see him doing it
3: no i can see it too i was trying to look up the leader's name but i there's not the easiest thing chirpa
1: chirpa it had nothing to do with gray <laughs> Not <again>. chief,
3: <laughs> chief chirpa
1: chief chirpa was there an ewok called gray something
3: No, I got a Chirpa. I got a Low Gray. Low Gray, thank you. I just scared the shit out of my cat. Low Gray is the shaman of the tribe. Oh, the shaman. I scared the
1: shit out of my cat. He was on the table. I heard. That was hilarious. (laughs) He was like, I am getting the fuck out of here. I don't know what I did. I hope that wasn't me.
3: Oh, then there's Paplu. Paplu? He's a scout, and together with Wicked, he reveals a secret passage for the strike team. You get so
1: excited when you talk about the Ewoks and their little <laughs> missions, don't you, Jake?
3: <laughs> yeah. The last Ewok mentioned in the credits credits named is Nikki. For a long time, fans had no idea who Nikki was, but it was uncovered that he's the Ewok with gray fur who does a cartwheel during the festivities.
1: Oh, wow. Thank God we know that now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, Nikki. They kind of just ran out of like exotic sounding names when they got to that one right Nikki. i yeah. bet the next one's name is just like joe
1: yeah yeah hey, here's todd <laughs> todd hi I'm, I'm todd the Ewok, and he just talks <laughs> yeah. what's up todd not much <laughs> not much how you doing <laughs> living life uh, i gonna get a uh, i'm gonna go down to the corner and get a calzone i'm beat man <laughs> I need a brewski in a calzone. <laughs> and fuck it, my kid Nicky's doing cartwheels all over the goddamn house.
3: <laughs> the ewok that operates the ATS T walker alongside Chewbacca's name is Whittle Warwick. Oh, that's just getting stupid. Yeah, yeah, that is that's pretty stupid. <laughs>
1: Uh, you, I, <laughs> I guarantee. I guarantee, a fucking Star Wars fans would buy a walk with Ewoks faces inside. Oh yeah!
3: I remember in the '90s when you just bought walks for everybody. That was like the everyone got walks. For Every, oh year.
1: god, walks were huge, weren't they?
3: <laughs> it was just all over the place. Like they had their own aisle.
1: They did. Yeah, uh, walks were huge in the '90s. It was like it was like uh, America just learned about ch- making Chinese food at home or something.
3: yeah, that's let's Let's, all make stir fry. Yeah, it's all it's possible
1: now. You can we can do it now with the wok. Like nobody knew (laughs) what a fucking wok. Everybody was using pans, pans, and uh, griddles.
3: Yeah, it was bizarre. It was a huge thing for a moment. Mm -hmm. I love my griddle. Yeah, that sounds great. I wish I had a griddle.
1: They're not. They're not expensive.
3: Yeah. I've been thinking of getting one of those air fryers. I'm really interested in those.
1: It's not like it's not like you know, like Robert Leach was talking about, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous and their 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 griddles. You know, (laughs) only only the rich are using the griddle. (laughs) You can get them for like you can go to fucking like Kohl's and buy a griddle for seven bucks. I bet. Yeah. Oh, Brian living, that. Brian living large with his griddle, <laughs> making eggs like a fucking champ, making eggs like you're fucking richman, rich man. <laughs> Cook four pancakes at once. Look at look at you making eggs. Ooh. Yeah, look at you making eggs Benedict over there. Like your name's Benedict, you rich fuck.
3: <laughs> On your fancy griddle, and your fa-
1: Mr. Griddle over there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh shit! Your flat heating
1: surface <laughs> that cooks things such as bacon and other breakfast delights. I love
2: breakfast food. <laughs> you can't go wrong with breakfast. It's an any time of the day thing. Yeah. What's uh
1: oatmeal at night? You doing that? No. You're like before bed, you're like, ah fuck it. Oatmeal. Let's do this.
3: I don't like I don't really like oatmeal at all.
1: Uh, it depends. I like jam in my oatmeal. Do you like jam in your
2: oatmeal, Joe? God, I haven't had oatmeal in fucking years. Like I, I was thinking like like real breakfast food, and that's probably why I'm fat. Like I'm immediately thinking eggs and bacon and pancakes. No, no, that's real a, maple syrup. And you're talking fucking oatmeal. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> you said you could say, hold on, let's go back. Let's take a trip back in time here. You said I can do breakfast anytime. There's no wrong time to do breakfast. And I was just thinking, <laughs> what's a breakfast food that like is not that appetizing at night? Maybe, maybe oatmeal. Let's go there. Let's try to dis- yeah. Let's try to disprove Joe here. <laughs> you know what i grits. mean it's not yeah grits uh it's not like uh it's not like it's like nine o'clock rolls around at night and i'm like oh fuck dude i could really go for some cream of wheat right now fuck
3: <laughs>
0: Woo,
2: cream of wheat it's man like, time of day i would have that sentence roll through my mind
3: dude <laughs> <laughs> i'll eat shredded wheat any time of day though with the frosted oh yeah
2: uh, it's going to be frosted shredded shredded wheat,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't know, want just like regular shredded wheat. Yeah, then, yeah,
2: cereal's one of those things. That's good any time of the day, right? I like cereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cereal any time
1: is good. You ever had that waffle cereal? The waffle.
3: Oh, waffle crisp.
1: Waffle
2: crisp.
3: Yeah, it's good. It's good it's like, The syrup is kind of strong, though. I, I get kind of burnt out on it after a few bowls.
2: After, you know, oh, I've wait. never had that one. That oh. does sound good, though.
1: How many bowls are you rocking in a row, Jake?
3: <laughs> I'm a, I am just like eat it out of the box Basically, Cereal's like a snack for me sometimes. Oh, that's the, right The lactose intolerant
1: Yeah, see I love it with the milk uh, Captain
2: Crunch tears the fuck Out of my mouth
3: Oh yeah, I love the Crunch Berries though Yeah yeah, this yeah,
2: see we have a Quaker Oats right in Cedar Rapids So depending on the day of the week You can drive by there And it, all of downtown Cedar Rapids Will smell like Crunch Berries It's fucking magical.
3: That sounds amazing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. (laughs) Joe, you got a griddle? Uh, I think we do have an electric griddle. I don't think we ever fucking use it, though. Jake is
1: just like... Jake is just like... Is your mind blown? Is is your mind blown that people are out there using griddles? (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
3: It's a whole new world. For the home? Jake is like for People, the home I don't have to go to the restaurant you want griddle things what
0: <laughs> what
3: Jake Jake can I make
1: a sausage bit griddle Jake feels like everybody in the 90s buying a walk right now he's like what you can <laughs> buy, you can buy a griddle or you can make, you can griddle stuff at home <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's, and they're cheap man you go to fucking you can go to Kohl's and buy a real cheap griddle, man. Then they got the really long ones too, where you can. It's like a smorgasbord of shit you can put on that fucking thing. Like if you, like you're not fucking around. Like you're griddling it up that day. You've got a lot of griddling to do. And so they've got. I've <laughs> got. I've got. I've got a, a semi-like small griddle. It's not a big griddle. You know, so it's like, I, you know, I can either do, I, I've got my choice here. I can I can put some eggs on there, some bacon, you know. But they have really long fucking griddles to where you can put, like, on the one side, you can just, shit, you can go fucking nuts. You can be like, I got pancakes over here, I got bacon in the middle, and I got eggs over here. My griddle's not like that.
3: Yeah, I don't like to mix all the stuff together like that anyway I'm oh, weird like that
1: I don't mind, mix the flavors a little bit, that's fine I like, every once in a while I love it when my eggs have just a little bit of bacon grease in them Got a little bit of that yeah. bacon flavor in there And you know what, you can even add A little bit of that bacon flavor Over into the pancakes But do I want my pancakes tasting like fucking eggs? Fuck no, that's fucking gross You got your goddamn <laughs> mind? You're fucking, you're crazy
3: yeah I like the bacon grease and like green beans too Yeah the bacon yeah. can't go wrong with bacon grease
1: You can't go wrong with bacon grease you Can't Somebody somebody, buy Jake a goddamn griddle <laughs> <laughs> Hold on I got Speaking of gifts I got some gifts here that got out before we wrap this up I'm sorry I'm, This episode's stupid and I apologize <laughs>
3: I'm impressed you
1: remembered <clears throat> Yeah me too I'm sorry about coughing there too Been holding that in for a while I'm not feeling the the best But I'm not feeling terrible either guys Who's this from What do we got here This is from uh, Oh this is from June This is from June She's been on the show many times So thank you June What do we got here I'm gonna open this up It's got Oh it's got a card here And it's got Snoopy and Woodstock On top of Snoopy's little doghouse Oh this is a This is a long Little letter here I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read it later to myself while I'm griddling some shit or making, <laughs> cooking up some shit in a walk. What do we got here? It's a looks like a, oh, we got a shirt. Let me pop this bad boy open. What do we got here? Oh, wow. It's Isla Nublar. Visit Isla Nublar, Costa Rica, and it's got dinosaurs on it. This is an amazing shirt. I love this. It's a Jurassic Park themed shirt, but it looks like it's a tourist shirt tourist shirt that says to go visit isla nublar which is the original island that all the dinosaurs were on in jurassic park jake i like this shirt it's blue it's nice i like it it looks like a touristy like it looks like i went to isla nublar and bought this shirt like right off the gift shop rack
3: that's cool. That's a really unique Jurassic Park shirt. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah June I, sent me a really wonderful shirt, too. It was like a Star Wars uh, Jawa shirt. I really liked it.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you, June. and Merry Christmas to June, even though Christmas is over. What do we got here? This one comes from, yeah, this is Scott's. I already know what Scott sent me. We had a big talk about this one. So we th- I thought I got lost in the mail. And uh, it's because my fucking mailman put it. In, an, in a, you, know how, you know how like when it's raining outside They'll put it in a uh, plastic bag for you mm-hmm. Yeah Well he put all my mail in a plastic bag And do I get around to opening my mail No I don't And I thought I got lost Scott sent me a Fitbit So thank you Scott I really appreciate it And I will plug this bad boy in And get it going I've never had a Fitbit This looks like a nice one thank you Very cool Thank you very much. That way I can track my lack of fitness that I have not been keeping up on these last...
3: (laughs) Well, that'll be good for you. New Year's resolution's right around the corner, right?
1: It is, and I need to get back in the gym because I used to be a gym rat and I used to be in really fucking good shape. So this maybe be be that extra push that I need. And uh, the final package. This one comes from Joe Nito. Thank you, Joe. Is it a griddle? It is a griddle. Oh, my God. And it's got – he made bacon, and it's old, and it's got mold on it. (laughs) How? I just lost volume. There we go. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. What do we got here? Oh, this comes from Joe. And he sent me a card. This is going to be long like June's. Um, <laughs> uh, happy holidays. Brian, thank you for PCL and all the hard work that goes into it. Joe Nito. Thank you, Joe. I'm June, I'm going to read yours later. It was just long. I don't want to read it right now. He sent me. Oh, wow. Cool. Thank you, sir. Um, it's uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, each individual comic book. It's the Star Wars The Last Jedi broken down into comics.
3: and That's it's fucking s- cool. Who s- did they get to art that out? Uh,
1: let's see here. Who do we have as the creative team? We've got um, Walsh and Spicer. And it's uh, Greg Witta. Is it Greg Witta? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the writer. Thank you, dude! Very How many fucking is it? cool. Six issues. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thank you very much Thank you for all the gifts Wow You guys are awesome I love our listeners You guys are fucking amazing Thank you so much Yeah they're the best Seriously we do have some Incredible listeners Jake Remember when we started This fucking thing
3: Oh gosh Barely
1: A long time ago
3: Many moons ago
1: Jake still didn't have A griddle back then Joe
3: (laughs) No nothing's changed No (laughs)
1: griddle Nothing's changed Six years, Jake. six years Jake still doesn't have a griddle Still thinks it's a rich man's fucking invention Like only the rich Only the rich own griddles
2: Somebody buy One of those plug-in griddles, dude Oh my god your Breakfast game on fleek Oh my
1: god Jake, if you had a griddle I think it would change your fucking life, you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> So you have a permanent smile on your goddamn face. I would, I would be, I, I would like message you on Facebook. Hey, what you doing? I'm
3: making eggs, bacon. I get grease burned on my own, like, <laughs> and then I'll be like,
2: No, I hate you. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you're done cooking. You got to wash the monstrous thing. It's like a fucking oh, cookie, yeah. like cookie sheet.
1: <laughs> Some people are listening to this right now, and they're like, uh, I didn't like this episode. You know, you're lucky to get one. It's the last fucking week of the year. You didn't like it too fu- You're lucky to get one.
3: All right? No shit. There are no some... Shit. Whatever the quality is. Yeah. Take it. Yeah.
1: You know, are some people out there that don't have a griddle. And here you are, pissing and moaning about the quality of the PCL episode you listened to. There are people out there right now that don't have a griddle. Jake, you know what I'm talking about. You know how that feels, back don't
3: back. you, buddy? Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm, like, about in tears. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Nick Nolte's played a pig. All right! I would cook him up on my goddamn griddle, Jake. I'll tell you that much, man. I would eat some Nolte right now. Do you think that, do you think that Nick Nolte, pig Nolte... Would have a nice marble, kind of like, you know what I mean? You know, you, when, you, when you cut into that bacon, do you think it would be nice and marbled? A nice marble ugnaught to that. bacon? Ugnat bacon, do you think it's nice and marbled?
3: Mm, no, I don't think it's very good. I don't imagine it being gorgeous bacon.
1: Joe, you eating that bacon? You eating an Ugnat bacon sandwich?
2: Yeah, it's got to be quite the pork belly. I'm into it,
3: dude. I would totally
1: do it. I would totally take a bite out of Nick Nolte. <laughs> I, would, I would. Oh man, slap that on the griddle, man. All right, I don't know. You guys, you guys, you guys are just hoping that I'm going <laughs> to fucking end this, right?
3: <laughs> I'm. I'm just hungry now. Jesus, I we're
2: talking. To- <laughs> I know, I'm like, I think I'm going to go cook eggs when we're done here.
1: <laughs> I don't have any eggs. I don't have any bacon. What do I got? I think I got some I think I got like one of those Bertolli pasta kits.
3: <laughs> oh, I think I'm gonna be actually I think I'm gonna make some pasta is what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I got Bertolli pasta kits and I got uh I got some uh some of those frozen raviolis.
3: Oh That's those it, are delicious. Do you it, got the Luisa?
1: No, I didn't get the Luisa. I got the Lotus? No, I didn't. I think I got the Kroger
3: brand. <laughs> You fucking cheap ass. You can afford the fancy ass griddle, but you can't fucking buy the Louisa.
0: Somebody's got to
1: make money around here to buy griddles, Jake. How do you think I have a griddle, huh? Why do you think I have the fucking griddle? Because I'm spent you gotta spend money on that fucking fancy griddle and you gotta save some money on the fucking Luisas and the Monas and you gotta buy the cheap fucking Kroger raviolis <laughs> <laughs> so st- the show is so fucking stupid.
3: This sh- uh, the griddle stuff got really funny there though again
1: <laughs> yeah oh man. Oh man, ah, God damn it i just i I just want like I want one of those really long griddles. You know what I 'm talking about, Joe?
2: Oh yeah, Those
1: things are fucking beautiful.
3: I obviously had no idea what you were talking about no, you don't <laughs> you don't
2: <laughs> I really want to go out and rummage around through our cabinets and be like, I know we got a fucking griddle in here. I know I've seen one I got. Excuse me, I got a nice, it's a nice
1: little griddle, but I don't have one of those really long ones. And I want one of those really long ones. Don't, don't now, I'm not asking our listeners to send me a griddle. Do not (laughs) do it. That would be the funniest shit ever. I know, and that's...
3: We're going to have so many pans next month. I know, that's what I'm worried
1: about. I do not, I am not asking for a listener to send me a fucking griddle. Well, now you're definitely going to get one. <laughs> oh, Christ, please.
2: What's the ironic gift? No, the, that-
1: <laughs> the thing is, it's like I'll, I'll end up getting like 17 griddles. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> All right. Oh, let's end this fucking. <clears throat> let's end this bitch. All right. What uh, Tupperware's next week, Jake.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I, I love it. We we don't tell each other what we're going to, you know, give the tougher wars to. So it's fun to hear what like what each other do, you know?
1: Yeah, I've uh, throughout the year, I've got like, excuse me, my throat. Um, throughout the year, I've got on my notepad on my phone. I write down like movies that are in contention. And then uh, this week will be the week that I comb through those selections that I've made all year. And I picked the best of the best for each category. So that's what we'll do next week. Next week will be fun. And so we will not be alone. We'll be joined by a special guest. And, uh, yeah, we'll do the sixth annual. Sixth annual, Jake. Six, number six.
3: Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll see you next week. And just like all good left. uh, Joe, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. I had a blast. Are you sure? Are you really? Did you? Really? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always shocked when people say they have fun. Like at the end, Jake, aren't you at the end of this thing when we do this fucking thing and people are
3: like, yeah, I had a great time. I mean, people are polite. Joe's a polite guy.
1: Yeah, you think so? You think that's what it's come down to is just being polite, you know, those, uh, because he, he didn't have fun, did he, Jake?
3: No, it did not come down to fun.
1: No. No.
3: So I appreciate the politeness, Joe.
1: That's cool, Joe. That's cool. Your parents did a good job. They raised you right.
2: Oh, I'll pass that along. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mom and Dad, you get the PCL stamp of approval. Yeah, you did. You did it. You did it. You're good parents. We encourage you to buy a griddle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Buy oh my yeah. <laughs> right. well. well why are we talking so much about it? It's a ridiculous. The amount of time we have spent talking about griddles on this episode, Jake. I don't even remember how it came up. I don't either. I don't either. It's not like it started from us talking about Pigman Nulti and saying, "Oh, I'd like to griddle." No, that happened later. we were talking about grilling him up.
2: Did it spin off of the walks? Was it was it walk spin off? It could have been.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Ewok. It's it all started there. Brian thought he had a cute little joke to tell everybody, right?
3: And then we talk about <laughs> freaking griddles for the next thirty minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm it out I- there. You can get a ten by twenty on Amazon for nineteen ninety nine Prime.
1: I felt like we've held our listeners hostage this entire episode towards the end, you know, like the last 30 minutes of this episode is just like people hanging, like not hanging on our every word, but like they, they just, I I guess they're just sticking around and listening to grown men talk about griddles and not interesting conversation about griddles. It's not like we're giving you like a history lesson about, you know, Mr. Johnny McGriddle that like invented it. You know what I mean? We're, it's nothing interesting about griddles. We're just talking about griddles and like what they do. Yeah. They yeah heat, you're, they, not,
3: you're not like expose you yeah. right about that. We're just like, yeah, griddles.
1: Yeah. It's a metal surface that heats up and cooks shit. And we have not brought <laughs> anything to it. Interesting at all. Like we've done nothing to make griddles interesting. We've just, oh, it's yeah. We've been saying the word griddle a bunch. That's funny. Oh, that way, way to go guys. Thank you, thank you for enhancing my griddle experience. Thanks, for, thanks for doing nothing. I fucking yeah, I think en- we made it yeah. worse. I hate PCL and I hate fucking griddles. Fuck you. Good night. That's what our listeners are saying right now to themselves, and they're like, "Joe, you're not on this fucking piece of dog shit podcast every week. Why didn't you stop them? What the fuck is wrong with you, Joe? <laughs> Why the fuck are you letting this fucking ridiculous host go?" On and on and on about nothing about griddles. (laughs) Oh, now he's talking about a shirt that he just got. Oh, back to griddles. Where are you, Joe? Why don't you step up and say something? Why don't you stop this fucking guy from talking about griddles? (laughs) Oh yeah, your parents raised you right. Well, why didn't they raise you to fucking stop this guy from talking about griddles for the past thirty five fucking minutes now?
2: Uh, I, I'm into it. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> I really do want to go eat breakfast
1: now. <laughs> you ever go to it,
3: is the IHOP open?
1: You remember when uh, McDonald's first started the making the the McGriddle sandwich? Yeah, I love them. And they're just like, they're like, you like pancakes? Oh, yeah. You like sausage? Huh? You like uh, fucking eggs? Oh, you like syrup? We're going to we're going to infuse back to infuse, Jake. We're going to infuse this pancake with syrup, you son of a bitch. And we're going to serve it to you. One of (laughs) the
3: greatest technology, one of the greatest bitches ever. It
1: was. It really was. A modern marvel. It was a modern marvel. (laughs) I was just like, oh, my God, you're injecting a pancake with maple syrup and you're making it the bun to a breakfast sandwich are you guys out (laughs) of your goddamn minds taking a bite now (gasps) you're geniuses you're geniuses
3: yeah it's great not just the regular sausage meat griddles are two bucks at all times
1: you hear that people yeah yeah use the code pcl at checkout and get it for a dollar
3: Yeah, use the mobile app. I'm (laughs) totally lying.
1: Did you hear? I don't know where I heard this. Who was talking about this? It was a podcast or something I was listening to that if you if like uh, these these uh, these fast food places will geotag you and if you check in to like uh, what is it if you check in that you're at a McDonald's. Burger King will offer you a Whopper for 1 penny.
3: Yeah, yeah, they did that promotion about a week ago.
1: Is that true? That's a true thing?
3: Yeah, that's a true thing. You had to log into your Burger King app and then turn on the GPS. Yeah. And then it would it would know you were at McDonald's and offer you the 1 cent Whopper.
1: And then you could go to then you could just leave where you were at McDonald's. You would just walk out. You would just say I'm leaving. And then go down to Burger King, and then show them your fucking phone, and they'd give you a penny whopper.
3: Yeah, you actually had to drive to the to the McDonald's first to get the offer to show up. Yeah, because so, wild.
1: Yeah, it was geotagging you. I think I heard about that on Nerds. I think I was listening to Aaron Claude Miller on Nerds. Him and Keith talk about that. I don't remember. I don't know. You guys want to talk about griddles for another fucking 30 minutes?
3: Huh? No, I'm going to eat.
1: All right. Hey, guys. Joe, thanks a lot. Everybody, Startcast is making a comeback. Joe, that's your podcast. Tell everybody about your podcast.
2: Yeah, I was kind of on hiatus for a little bit. I had some technical issues, uh, lost an episode, and uh, anyway, got the right gear to do it now. So, uh, new year, more Startcast episodes on the horizon. And uh, also, I've finally gotten around to making an audio version of uh, my book, I Become Death. And I got about half the chapters recorded so far, so I got to record the rest of them and then go through the painful process of editing them and listening to myself stumble over shit that I've written. But then it'll be up and available on Audible and uh, other platforms like that. And um, I'll I'll make those announcements as soon as they're up.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, Joe, you wrote a book called I Become Death and it's available on Amazon, I believe. Yep, that is correct. There you go. Buy it. Buy it. You know what? Pick that up and when you when you buy I Become Death, it says a lot of it says at the bottom, it makes the recommendation that many other customers bought a griddle along with that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Customers also viewed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> customers frequently pair this with a fucking griddle. So buy, buy Joe's book, I Become Death. Buy a griddle, make some eggs, and read a book.
3: <laughs> Sounds like the perfect fucking night, man.
1: <laughs> Jake, why do people listen to our show? What is oh, wrong man. with
0: us?
3: What is we're wh- trying to wrap this up, not answer mysteries of the universe.
1: Oh, shit, that's true. <laughs> Joe, thanks again. You can listen to me and Joe on Number One Comic Books Podcast, We were where we talk about first issues of comic books. Even if you don't read fucking comic books, just listen to the podcast. We'll tell you if we like them or not. It's not like you have to have any backstory on the comic books. We just talk about the first fucking issue, right? That's right. We have a lot of fun doing it. No shit. You don't even have to buy the book. You just listen to people that talk about the book and if we liked it or not. So, yeah, check it out. Hey, uh, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week with the Tupperwares. See ya.
3: Later, y'all.
2: Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap.
0: Picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It,
3: it, it's a trap.
0: Gonna toss it, good taste it, Do we love it? Hey, let's raise it, clean it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party, subculture, spill over like a vulture carry over, culture pushovers, pop culture and leftovers and with the uncool kids. What's this has already been said Leftover. pretty sure that the only talent is the band thats singing that is hop culture leftovers that original and good have already been done before. So we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff. The crap. Even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. It and toss it tastes, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the wear party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over. Counterculture culture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's this say has already been said. Leftovers. Yeah. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. <laughs> mama, mama. It, gonna taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that The only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers